So I think that's the first movement. Yes. Um, tonally, it should shift into something uh, I think more wistful for for the second. Uh, oh, oh, well, hi! I need I need time to eat and digest before my next movement. It's very true. Hi, everyone. Sorry, we were just discussing Matt's meows. Um, meows. Welcome to the Big Dumb Cast, nerdy news, geek gossip stuff that's fit to fill you with. Ooh, oh, 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 it actually came out a little solid there. That bird. I wonder how many episodes. If someone went back and listened to like the last, let's say, two years, three years of this podcast, how many episodes open with us reverting to that noise from It's a very London? good noise, though, isn't it? It's a good. It is a good. <laughs> 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 um, <laughs> um, I'm, oh god, I'm, I suppose we better do an episode, aren't we? I'm well, mate. Well, well. I'm uh, Chris Fire from Nuclear Weapons, Johnson. And I am the two bears inside you. <laughs> Which one's stronger? The one, the one full you, the one, of beavers. The one elites. full of beavers ass Coca Cola. We're back to that, are we? Mm-hmm. You know, we lost 7,000 listeners last week from that alone. Seven, I mean, I'm amazed we had 7,000 listeners. I'm amazed we have seven listeners. They turned up just last week. Oh, right. And then you watch the analytics, and the moment the uh, the beaver's anal glands start getting discussed, they drop right off. <laughs> right but, down to the second in the Tim code. But it says that the 17 people who stayed were masturbating furiously while you were describing it. Oh. Well. They need to say some Hail Marys then, don't they? Um, this is all thematic. This is all going somewhere, I promise. From the title promise. or the thumbnail or whatever, that we are finally... God. Finally, considering there's been an ominous countdown on these podcasts, we are finally somehow and for some reason squeezing in the prolonged final chapter of an ongoing series. Everyone's favourite prolapse... <laughs> the last two X-Men movies by Fox. Yeah, yeah, we're, uh, we're at this stage just... now. We're at this stage. We're here. The last time... I'm queer. Let's do this. Yeah. When was the last time we did this? Too long ago. What? July, I think. Oh, my God, no. It was earlier than that. It was earlier than July. July. So, the... the <laughs> oh, the dear, X-Men Lord. retrospective, which was suggested, nay... Demanded upon us by regular listener Ian, as the uh, as the bubbles on comic covers used to say, because you demanded it. Um, Big Damn Cast, the world's greatest comic magazine, um, if only began during the toward the end of the second lockdown in the UK, the second big lockdown, uh, or or just after the end of it in. Uh, we would have begun the project in September of 2020. The first episode was the 1st of October 2020. Yeah. Not too distant future. Re-X-Membrance Part 1. Re-X-Membrance, um, Two podcasts later on the 15th of October. That was the X-Men trilogy. Two podcasts later, Origins and Reboots uh, Part you can, 2. You can covered. tell we didn't have that much to do at the time. 
Well, exactly. It was it was perfect. There was no news. There was no pop culture news. There was news. no news. Uh, except for, this has been put back. This, this has been put, put back. back. So for that one, we did X-Men Origins Wolverine. We did X-Men First Class. And we did The Wolverine. It would then be... So when was that? That was uh, mid-October. It would then be another... He says, scrolling through the episodes, all available to listen now on your podcast provider of choice. Uh, Four months till part three, past pools of the apocalypse. Yes. Which was uh, Days of Future Past, Deadpool and X-Men Apocalypse. Oh, wow. It's been that long. And then the next one, and as of today, up to this point, final installment, penultimate chapter. Penultimate. penultimate. Part four, Live in La Vida Logan, uh, came out... Uh, featuring our uh, Logan and Deadpool 2 reviews yeah. in May of 2021. What? It's been nearly a year! So here we are. It's in not. It's been like nine months. February. Ha 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 It's On a very special day. It's our X-Men February. On a very special day. What no, special day is it? It's the 22nd of February, which is National Happy National Underage, uh, International Underage Drinking Day. <coughs> When's your birthday? February 22nd. What year? Every year. So shout out to the Hot Fuzz Massive. I hate it and I hate you. You know, last week, last week during Eunice, did you see the thing about like one of the oh, yeah, churches in Wales? Has anybody checked out and books to check to see if Cat Buckley's is alright? That is a wonderful moment in that movie. It's just like it's completely, totally different to the rest of the movie up to that point. Everything up to that point comes has been out of like nowhere. action, comedy, and a, a little bit, a little bit of like oh, it's a bit violent. That yeah. it's a bit violent, and then it's just ridiculous. Adam Buxton gets omened. Um, Not even just just completely. Oh, oh, it's, God, it's well, so it, good. When when it happened, uh, two two names were trending in the UK on Twitter that day. Adam Buxton and Patrick Adam Buxton Trouton. and Patrick Trouton. Yeah. and you could tell the nerds from the um, like uh, pedantic assholes because mm. pedantic assholes were all going. All these people are referencing Hot Fuzz. I think you should be referencing The Omen. It did it first. Uh, I think you reference whatever bit of pop culture you like. I think you reference whatever pop culture you like, but also, motherfucker, it happened in Wells at a church down the road from the fucking church yeah. in Hot Fuzz yeah. where that happened. Yeah. Same town, three-minute walk away. I think Hot Fuzz is more than appropriate if you want to make a joke about it. You shits. See how we're already delaying. It's um, so good. It's so It's such a good. Just like the composition of that shot and the editing of that oh, moment is mad. so great. It's just a voice. Just, it just cuts back to him staggering. <laughs> fucking steeple hanging out. Not even out of his neck. <laughs> out of his upper body. Yeah. Like, he's just, he's like, just steeple. He just gets completely pile drived. I love it so much. Like his skull or what's left of it would be in his crotch. Yeah. <laughs> like it's just. Yeah. It's gone. Um, oh, what a great film. Oh. I wish we were talking about that film this week. It's like hitting a jam donut <laughs> with a hammer. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. Um, well, Ian set us a task. He did. A year and a half ago. Set us a task. And we finally got round to You've completing said task. Um, it, this is a unique entry for, I think, uh, I think both of us, because I, I think yourself... Me. You've only seen these movies... Twice each, yes, and not necessarily out of choice. Like the second viewing of both was to get ready for this episode. Yeah, um, I mean the first viewing of the first one was just so we could cooperate on the podcast. That's true. By that point, yeah, when we did our review. I have seen the first one of these two movies twice again, second time yeah. for this, and the second movie once. Uh, 
the New Mutants, which we'll talk about in a bit, is not rentable anywhere. And I think part of that is down to the fact that it was a digital exclusive release. It came out digitally yeah. in the latter part of 2020. Um, we'll talk a bit about its production later. It is whatnot, still on Now TV Movies if you have Now if TV. If you have a Now TV Movie Pass, it's there till the 1st of May, mm. I believe, is the is the deadline for it. But I no longer have a Lilu Dallas Movie Pass. Yeah, and I didn't want to spend... Seven ninety nine on something for one month for one movie per se, if I wasn't necessarily going to use it for beyond that movie, when I could, as it ended up being the case, spend six pound sixty one pence exactly on an Amazon Prime delivery of the DVD. Six sixty one. Because if I didn't enjoy the DVD, I could just take it to a charity shop, and then at least someone who would want it and see it on the shelf there could at least enjoy it. Sharpen the edge and use it as a weapon. That too. Um, oh god! It's the only. Option. Or I could I could carve it into a cross. You could. And put it bury all my X Men DVDs, and put that in the ground above them. And then this, this is the this is the clever bit, right? As I walk away, the cross, which has a suspiciously nay conveniently short tail, will fall over to form an X in the ground. It's the one bit of Logan I don't really like. I don't mind it. However... It's just a bit obvious. How dare I, I mean, I know you, that Laura places it, but still. How dare you invoke a movie of such quality <laughs> in the company of these... Well, yeah. I'm, I'm... One of these is significantly worse than the other, let's be honest. Dark Phoenix? Yeah. Yeah, should we, should we, just, like, do, should we just do yeah, this? Let's should we do just it. do this? Let's do it. So, Dark Ladies Phoenix. Ladies and gentlemen, Dark Phoenix is the first of our double bill. Um... Again, big thank you to Ian for setting us this task, and also for sending us a donation toward a takeout while we uh, while we watched the. It helps thing. us through, honestly. Thank you very much. I appreciated that a lot. It was very sweet. It paid essentially. It paid for the film and for food, and we'll probably use it for a couple rounds of beer at some point in the near future, yeah. which would be nice. So thank you very much, Ian. So it provided us with with soft drinks. One Take of which a beer, I'm gonna crack open right now. Oh, lovely. Oh, mine's not got beaveriness in it, as far as I'm aware. This is the caffeine-free one, right? Mm. Diet Coke caffeine-free. The beaver anus is for the vanilla flavour. So. This one's the rat's nipples. Yeah, well, that's general rat piss. You're getting all cans. Oh, lovely. They do like to use them as toilets. Little, uh, little buggers. So, so thank you very much, Ian. Bless your heart. Um, he asked on the Big Damn Discord uh, yesterday as well, like, should he should he watch, uh, uh, I think it was Dark Phoenix or Logan in preparation for this, because he hadn't seen either. I just went, Logan. Just, just watch, watch Logan. Logan, please, for the love of God. Just watch Logan. Don't watch Dark Phoenix. Us talking about it is going to be marginally more exciting than Dark Phoenix is. So, X Men, Dark Phoenix, or in some territories, Dark Phoenix. Just Dark Phoenix was the Jesus. If we're talking X Men, not not spin offs. I don't even three know. origins of spin offs. We're not counting that. Uh, First class is the fourth film then. Days of Future Past 5, Apocalypse 6. This is the seventh specifically X-Men, X-Men movie. And the fourth in the first class trilogy. Wait. Yeah. <laughs> and the first remake in the series. Yeah, it's the first time a... they've gone back to do a the same plotline as they've already adapted in something else again. Yeah, and the same writer involved the specifically. Same, yeah. it's like, I got Simon Ruddy like Simon Kimberg. Let's have a look at Simon Kimberg. I let's talk about Simon Kimberg. On a so. level on a level of 
oh, why are you tinkering with this? I don't put him anywhere near an Aviarad level of fuckery. I so, think Kenberg, for the most part, as a creative, means well because he either jumps in to fill in for someone else well, or he's like, no, honestly, I, I think there's a good film in this. And then goes on to make that film and prove that maybe there is, mate, but not under your sh- stewardship. Well, let's have a look. Let's, let's have a look. So this is Simon Kinberg directing this. Yep. See what else he's directed. One episode of The Twilight Zone. Yep. Which one was For it? The, the new one. Yeah, which, which uh, episode? It was... Uh, what episode was it? Because I haven't seen the second half of Series 2 and then Now TV got rid of it what after like a week. What was it? Uh, Blurryman. Oh, that's a really... That's the Series 1 finale. Okay. That's quite a good, well-directed episode. And he's also directed the 355, which is currently... Oh, is that the... That's the new uh, Lady CIA. Justine. Yeah, Justine. Yes. Yeah. It does, look, it does look fun, but it also looks a bit nothing at the same time. Like, it, it would be a fantastic movie to watch on a plane. In between those two, directed Dark Phoenix. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, the sort of movie where you put it on, on a plane and you go, yeah, I enjoyed that. But you have no desire to watch it again, and you didn't have a desire to go see it in the yeah. cinema in the first place. You know you'll have an alright time with it, but you kind of have to be in the circumstance where you have nothing else to do. So that film will be the thing that makes you feel yeah. entertained for the next two hours. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> let's have a look at his writing credits. Because he's been a producer, hasn't he? He's been producing he's been a, a shitload on, on these movies. He's been around the X-Men franchise since, at the very least, X-Men The Last Stand. Because wow. he was involved in that development. Let's have a look at this. Here we go. Simon Kinberg. 2002. Yes. TV movie called The Legacy. Right. Don't try and find any information about it, because there isn't any. <laughs> um, but Matt, it's The Legacy. It's The 2005. Legacy. 2005. Yeah. Triple X. Two. Oh! State of the Union slash the next level, depending on your territory. Yeah, it was next level over here, right? Yeah. Because yeah. I've heard it called State of the Union before, and I was like, was there another one? Before the return of Xander Cage. Um, who was the next level? Was that the... That... Imagine thinking that the world That's gives the enough of a shit one. about Triple X to hear that name and go, oh, yeah, boys! That's the Ice Cube one. <laughs> yes, um, it is. 2005, Mr. and Mrs. Smith. The Brad Pitt, Angela Jolie, oh Married Spies. Yeah. He loves... Re- That's a remake, isn't it? No. It was remade in 2007. What? As a TV movie. Oh my god. <laughs> was he involved in that? He wrote, yeah, he wrote that as well. Oh jeez. So he loves remaking stuff. If he's like, oh, I just don't know. I, I feel like there's a better version of this. Let's remake it while it's still on everyone's mind. Oh yeah, no. So it, the the Angelina Jolie Brad Pitt one was a, was a remake of a 1996 TV series. Oh, Jesus. With Scott Bakula and Maria Bello, which he wasn't involved with. Okay. Um, yeah, there we go. <laughs> so, in between doing the Mr. and Mrs. Smith uh, film and the Mr. and Mrs. Smith uh, TV movie, which looks like it was actually a stealth pilot for a series that didn't get picked up. Oh, because the um, film didn't do what yeah. they wanted it to. Yeah. So, yeah, oh, God. Uh, that's when he wrote X-Men The Last Stand. Right. And then... Okay. So after Mr. and Mrs. Smith, we get Jumper in 2008. Which is not great. Hayden Christensen's vehicle. The Guy Ritchie Sherlock Holmes. He wrote that one? Yep. 
Yeah, I can feel that. This Means War from 2012. The Chris Pine, Tom uh, Hardy. Tom Hardy, yeah, yeah, the one where they tried to do like, it was like an action and a rom-com yeah. and it just didn't quite work. He's done that before. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Christ. Coro Days of Future Past. Explains a lot. Coro... Fantastic Four. The 2015. Fantastic Four stick, oh, yeah. Oh, Christ. Coro X-Men Apocalypse. Yeah. Which we knew. Uh, also, oh, didn't he? Didn't he uncredited direct a load of X Men Apocalypse? Possibly, because that was the one where um, possibly Singer started apparently having like strops and fallouts with people, and and mm. eventually he left the project. Yes, Kinberg had to do the reshoots, yeah. which was their way of saying Kinberg came in and directed the majority of the movie. Yeah, which in itself um, happened again on what was the other film? Bohemian Rhapsody. Where Singer was meant to direct that, and uh, Dexter Fletcher had to step in. It's a games master, that shit. Yeah. <laughs> um, in between Apocalypse and Dark Phoenix, though, he did created as creator for Star Wars Rebels, so I'm assuming he was part of the executive team for that. Yeah. Um, Interesting, because all of his projects seem to be Fox specific. Yeah. And Star Wars Rebels, you know, Star Wars was a Fox property at the time. No, no. But this is after the that, Rebels. Rebels the yeah, first... I thought Rebels was in development prior to the acquisition. Oh, it might have been actually. When did Rebels start? Like 2016, 2017? First episode was. Ooh, Star Wars Rebels. Ooh, 2014. So yeah, it actually yeah, started airing before the acquisition. I was going to say, there's no way Disney would have let him near it unless it was like no. it had begun no. prior to, to the. But it was on Disney XD. Yeah, because that was the thing. Was it Star Wars joining Disney was announced in like 2013, 2014? Because they were like, and in 2015, the first new movie's coming out. Oh, yeah. But Rebels being an animated show yeah. and development from like 2012. Yeah. Um, but then, yeah, then Dark Phoenix, then after that he's done, um, he was the creator on the 11 episode um, Apple TV Plus series Invasion. Okay. What's that I hear you ask? Um, no one has Apple TV Plus. And yeah, then no one really uses it over here, do they? Like, apart from watching Ted Lasso, I don't think anyone ever talks about Apple TV shows. Ooh, like Ted Lasso, if you know what I mean. <laughs> no, um, I don't know. No, I have what? no idea. So yeah, Simon <laughs> Kinberg. Not a great track record as a writer, and no track record as a director. What does he do with X-Men Dark Phoenix? Well, he does the same thing that every person who has touched the X-Men franchise in the hands of Fox has done. Where they've gone, God, I really love the X-Men. Those are really great stories. Really great characters. Oh, it's just such a rich and uh, rich uh, universe. It's brimming with all sorts of like subtext. And uh, what I'm going to do is I'm going to make a film that completely removes everything that makes the original <laughs> source material interesting and boils it down to its blanded, blandest, most surface-level, facile version. <laughs> The fucking 90s animated series is better than this. I mean, I think the 90s animated series is pretty decent X-Men overall. Yeah, no, but it's not a multi-million dollar movie. There's yeah, a bunch of shit thrown at hey, you. Hey, hey, at least they don't chicken out and put Wolverine in it for no reason. Oh, all right, cool. We, <laughs> no, I know it's not a redeeming feature, but cool. I actually kind of admire the restraint because that's the first time, this is the first time They've not put Wolverine in one of the movies that Wolverine's not meant to be in. 
Like it's it's weird that it took this long. Um, at least that would have provided, if you were in it, a three second distraction from what the fuck we were watching. I guess. What were we watching, Chris? So Dark Phoenix uh, picks up after the events of X Men Apocalypse. Now in the early nineties. Yeah. Um, it's like a ten year time jump. With all age. of these teenagers from yeah. the eighties who are inexplicably still teenagers. Uh, and Nicholas Holt as Beast, who should be in his 40s by now. Yep. Clearly not being in his 40s. Yeah. Magneto and Xavier barely aging a fucking day. Um, Quicksilver, who was a literal teenager when we met him in Days of Future Past, now being in his 30s apparently, but looking exactly mm. the same for the five minutes of screen time he gets. Um, so yeah, this is set nine years after Apocalypse. Oh, Jesus. So it's 92. Yeah. Yeah, because in Apocalypse they come out of Return of the Jedi, yeah. don't they? And they go like, oh, the third one in the trilogy is always the worst. It's meant to be like a little, yeah. <laughs> wink, we're the third one in our trilogy. Or, wink, this is Brian Singer saying that Brett Ratner shit on the work he did. Ha 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 ha. It's just like, uh, he's, uh. No, um, Brian Singer shit on the work he did. First by leaving X3 in early pre-production to do um, Superman Returns. <laughs> And secondly, by being a rapist. Mm. Um, alleged. Have to say that. Though we don't agree no, we don't. that it's alleged. We don't have to say that. Um, I think we meant to. Do you know what? Who cares? He's not coming after us. Yeah, but I don't give a fuck. <laughs> okay. Um, What's he going to do? Harass you? No, because you're not a twink. Yeah. Because I'm, I'm of legal age. Uh, so, oh, um, there we go. So, yeah. Um, it's set after that. Uh who who's a teacher are any of them teachers <laughs> presumably mystique is a teacher because she seems to have more of a of a leadership role within the I mean, x-men yeah who are now known celebrities yeah people know who the x-men are they've like become public figures as superheroes <laughs> don't ask me what superheroics they've been up to yeah because all cause... we see is that charles has a direct line to the president the office. president literally has a phone with nothing but a big X on the front of it, mm-hmm. on his desk. It's like Batman 66 up in this shit. Which would be fine if that was the tone of the whole film. But it's the tone really of the not. whole film was, oh my god, they're public superheroes, and let's have a big old superhero taking yourself way too seriously. Yeah. Because they then go to help a space shuttle that is yeah. stuck in a galactic sort of storm cloud in the atmosphere. Well, they've lost control of the space What shuttle. an actual opportunity they had... If they really wanted to build a universe, which they wanted to at this point, to make that the origin of their Fantastic Four. Well, yeah, no, so there's a a space shuttle. Yeah. It's out of control and there's a solar flare, quote-unquote, heading towards it. Turns out this solar flare is actually some big blob of space energy. Sentient life form thing, yeah. They end up evacuating the shuttle, but Jean has to hold it together and at the last moment she gets consumed by the energy, but it all goes into it and she's left floating in space and she's absorbed the energy, but she's still alive and you go home and you check her out and she's all fine. But then she starts stressing out once she gets home. Turns And then she go and then she realises that, oh no, I remember that I killed my parents in a in a crash with my powers when my powers emerged, but I didn't really kill my dad. My dad's still around. Why doesn't he want to see me? So she goes and finds her dad, and her dad says, "Ah, oh, you killed your yeah, mom." I couldn't better look here because like you killed your yeah. mother, 
and nearly killed me, and that traumatised me, and I couldn't handle your powers, so I go think, away. I think you're a monster, so I did purposefully made sure that you forgot about me because I didn't want you to be a part of my life. Well, does it say that... Well, we'll get into it, but like, does it say that he made he asked for her to forget about him, or was it more no, well, Xavier he, bullshitted? No, I, well, I, no. O- on the dad's, he like, asked request. Xavier. Yeah. To, Tell her to, I'm to, dead. Yeah. Well, I don't know if he said that, but I can't remember because it's boring as fuck. <laughs> uh, but yeah, he was like, yeah, no, I don't. So I the X-Men got a collector. They'd be like, oh shit, Calm revelations. And the soap yeah. opera stuff you kind of want from X-Men. Because she's getting more and more and more powerful. And then casualties occur. And oh, what shame. Meanwhile, creepy aliens arrive on Earth. They were like, cool. yeah, we wanted that energy, but we creepy were trying to find a vessel to house the energy. They conveniently take over the creepiest looking woman they can find. <laughs> made Jessica Chastain look awful. It's weird, isn't which it? Which is a fucking struggle. It's like, how the hell um, do you do that? Yeah, and then they found a way. They found a way. Albino eyebrows. eyebrows white. Fucking hell. Um, it's not even that she looks weird after she gets possessed. Is it her character like, looks weird? Well, well it's not killed, and then killed and then replaced. She just fucking looks weird. <laughs> um, so then these aliens are like, "Hey, Gene, you're right." Um, we want your we, Phoenix Force. We sent that flare after you because we wanted something to harness this power that's contained within it. And it's you. So if you join us, we'll show you how to use it and it'll be amazing. Although secretly, they want to maybe kill her and take the power for themselves. Ill-defined motives. Yeah. So what follows is Jean sort of on the run. Very briefly, she goes to all sorts of locations. She goes to a version of Genosha. Yay! She goes to New York. And that's Yay! it. Those are the two yeah, locations. It. It. And then uh, all the X-Men and Magneto are on a train being detained by the government. Oh, yeah. So they have a fight. And, and then, then well, the aliens what, no, arrive no, at the train. We missed a bit. Oh, yeah. What happens is, <laughs> so this lead, this alien leader played by weird Jessica Chastain, whose What's name the, is Vuk, by the way. Vuk. Vuk. Um, but she didn't know that until she saw the movie. Um, that's in- that's Because she didn't know her character's name. That's a st- we'll get to that. Um, that's incredible, though. Uh, so... God. They so she's like, oh, if you can't handle what the power's doing to you, give me the power. I'll be able to handle it. So she manages to siphon some off Jean, but then Jean changes her mind. She's like, no, it's gonna kill me, and I don't trust this woman. She's gonna turn this earth into a new Dabari homeworld or something. I don't fucking know. Yeah, aliens exist. Aliens exist. Aliens exist. Just just dropping that in there. Yeah. Um, which is you know, if you want to get weird, that's fine. But do something interesting with it. Um, At least have people react to it. Yeah. Like, wait, there's extraterrestrial life? You know what I mean? Just something. And then, so, what do we get? Have, like, have like Jessica Chastain's character be someone who is part of a government research thing that knows about alien life and maybe they've received the first communication. Yeah. So that at least we sort of are like, oh, that's why they've arrived there. But and no. they're going to take over them before they tell anyone that... The aliens, just, the aliens from signs just crash land and take oh, over a dinner party. Yeah. And um, so... It, right down to being blurred in the background. Yeah. And then. yeah. Well, they look like wood-like, didn't they? Because they're Dabari mm-hmm. in this. I suppose a lot of tree people. Because uh, everyone remembers the Dabari, right? <laughs> no. Uh, so... <laughs> wait, literally... do, wait, hang on. Dabari and Kotari. No, just Dabari. No, but there are the Kotari. And I mean, I mean the comics. Like that's another Possibly. race of tree, the Kotari, because they're the ones from pre-Cree history. They're the ones in Empire and shit. Mm, the Dabari, and then the you've ones, got the species Groot's from. The Dabari are the ones that get toasted by Jean in the original Phoenix saga in the yeah. comics. I just find it weird. I just find it weird that the two sort of like we're made out of wooden plants have basically the same name. Well, Dabari yeah. Kotari. Who cares? 
I don't. Um, so, fuck me. So, um, yeah. So, Vuk's having some point of power, but then, oh no, she, she doesn't siphon enough at all, and then they manage to get away, but then they all get arrested by the mutant containment unit because because Jean killed Sorry. a bunch of policemen. Sorry, I've just realised that might actually be a slightly clever in-joke in the, the MCU. Film. The MCU. Yeah. They're taken by the yeah, MCU. They're taken by the MCU. That's kind of... Okay, do you know what? Point. Point, team. Yeah. That's I don't a... think it was intentional, though. I mean, if it was, great. If not, it's weird, it isn't was. it? We're being we're being taken away by the MCU I've because seen of the rest this point of this the acquisition. I've seen the rest happened. of the X-Men films that Simon Kinberg's written. I don't think he's that smart. So, anyway. <laughs> um, this one comes... <laughs> fuck me. Um... So, aliens descend on the train. Aliens, so yeah, they're on a train being taken to a storage facility, but the aliens want the rest of the Phoenix Force, so they come and attack the train, and we get the best bit of the film, which is a fantastic action sequence where they battle up the train and all the different mutants use their powers. And, and was crowbarred in the last minute and kill yeah. shoots, which but, is why I think the MCU thing possibly yeah. was Well, because it was, it was originally going to be in space, and they were like, yeah, this is shit. It's nothing to do with Captain Marvel. It's no. nothing to do with Captain Marvel. It's because... Yeah, that was the statement yeah. put out, wasn't it? The statement put out was like, oh, we just thought with Captain Marvel coming out, it might yeah. seem as I don't think it was that was That was a, th- a thing that people said, but what actually was the case was they didn't they screen it for testing audiences, and testing audiences just fucking hated the ending. Yeah. Uh, just thought it was boring. Um, <laughs> so they reshot it to be this fantastic train fight with some really cool action sequences. And then the train crash and happens, and... And then Jean wakes up, and she takes Phoenix Force mm. back, and she kills all the Dabari, and then she explodes in space, and then she dies, I guess. And, and then, then everything gets a happy Charles ending. Charles is off-screen, evacuated yeah. from his own facility, or leaves it. Yeah. And it's renamed the Jean Grey Institute and, for and Higher Hank Learning. And takes over as the headmaster. Presumably, because they never yeah. say anything. He just walks into a room. And then... Um, Storm's teaching for some reason... And then Charles and Eric meet up in Paris at the same cafe that fucking Alfred's in, apparently. Yeah. And then, you know, they play chess while there's a phoenix in the sky and there's narration from Jean Grey. But isn't she dead? But then I guess she isn't. But God, it's just a mess and it's boring, isn't it? It's really dull. You take the you take the Dark Phoenix saga, which is like this space for, for opera. For our listeners who, who like are just... Cosmic. Yeah, for our listeners who are just familiar with... Phoenix, Dark Phoenix, Jean Grey, as adapted in like films. Yeah, because I'm sure there's some of you listening right now who are like, I've heard that this is a really cool thing. You're not wrong. But every time I've seen it adapted, it's not been that. I mean, what what is the original? Like in a nutshell, what's the original saga? How long did it run for? It ran for and a while. What's actually. the well, well, a few, good couple of years or so, wasn't it? The actual. Well, the Phoenix character was around for a couple of years because, like, like, very much like in the film, yeah. what happens is the X Men are on a space mission. They're coming back, uh, but Jean has to hold the ship together with the psychic powers and, and quote-unquote, dies in the crash. But she's still called Marvel Saving Girl everyone. Or she's just going by Jean Grey. Uh, she's Mar- uh, Marvel Girl still, I think. Yeah. Uh, oh, no, she's Jean Grey because she's kind of semi-retired from the X-Men. This is kind of after she's come back. Yeah. Because she's in the all-new, all-different era. Mm-hmm. So it's the second team. It's the old Colossus Storm Wolverine team. Um, yeah, Wolverine the, the was uncanny, actually in this one. The Uncanny X-Men. Yeah. 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 Wolverine was actually in this one in the comics and they didn't put him in the movie. Um, <laughs> but it's fine because, you know... Um, and then she, Hugh she, Jackman stars in Dark Phoenix she, again. Yeah. <laughs> she comes out of the. She, she, then she she emerges from the crash. And she's like, "I am fire and life incarnate. I am Phoenix." And, and the team are like, "Oh shit!" Yeah, she's like ultra powerful, but she's still good. Yes. And then, all right, yeah, no, I'm totally fine. I guess I just got an upgrade. And then the series continues, and the, you know the X Men and stuff. She's in a green yellow adventures. outfit. It's green yellow outfit. Yeah. And then. Um, 
what happens is this do one other adventures and there's a couple of things that start happening as the as the series goes on that sort of culminate into the actual Dark Phoenix saga. One of which being that Jean's getting more powerful. The other one being that she's getting more and more disturbed because Mastermind his is giving her illusions of himself this is, this is in different time periods yes yeah and he can create illusions make you make you make you feel things he is he is sort of planting a false reality in her head where she's like she's his lover in like pretty like early colonial american days for those stuff. listening along at home uh, unable to see what's happening matt did the charles xavier fingers against the temple as he described I this i did um, and then so <laughs> that's so sort of, of getting in mind that way and he's doing that at the behest of the Hellfire Club who want to use Jean Grey as their new Black Queen because mm. she's very powerful so we want you to essentially subliminally brainwash her yeah. into joining our gang yeah a couple of different things happen mm-hmm. which uh, so then there's a big you know bust up at the Hellfire Club and Wolverine is awesome but then eventually Jean throws off uh, mastermind sort of control and she turns him into a vegetable and I thought well I'll use that in a pejorative term she basically shuts down his brain and mm-hmm. she sh- in revenge for her tr- for him trying to control her she shows him all of reality at once with her new phoenix powers and it Jesus. just breaks his mind completely and turns him into a drooling mess mm-hmm. um, but then again she continues to get more powerful and more arrogant until she eventually uh, b- just l- breaks completely and realizes that she's, you know, the super powerful Dark Phoenix emerges, and she does the unthinkable. She changes yeah. the costume to red. She changes the costume to red and gold. She takes down the X Men. She fucks off into space. While she's in space, she basically uh, it becomes so powerful that she destroys a star, and the star and the uh, star system around it, including the Debari home planet, and um, she are. Um, who are a uh, previously are, established alien race yeah. within the X Men comics? Yeah, that yeah. have you know, um, Lilandra, the the Empress of the Shi'ar, and Charles Xavier are, are foot buddies at this point, and so intergalactic foot buddies. Um, <laughs> well, actually, no, Lilandra is in uh, Xavier's in Shi'ar space at this point. Yeah. as as um, Lilandra's consort. Well, there so, you go. He's making an and, intergalactic and booty call. The whole thing with with Jean is what brings him back to Earth. Rather, so she's can, making an intergalactic booty yeah. call. Yeah. So he can help her contain her new powers. Yeah. So he helps work on her you know, sort of like psychic blocking to, to help her contain her powers, which they do. But then they decide that... But then that then the third act is that the Shi'ar decide that she must be put on trial for what she did as the Phoenix. Mm-hmm. And they sentence her to death. But they managed to bargain that the X-Men will be her champions and they will fight the Shi'ar Imperial Guard mm-hmm. on the blue area of the moon as like her sort of trial by combat, yeah. which she eventually uses to commit suicide out of guilt and the fear that she'll become Phoenix again. It's awesome. It's yeah. fucking awesome. So it's it's this it's this like... Act one, the ship and everything would be the finale. If this was TV, that'd be the finale of one series. Yeah. And then there'd be a whole other plot for the next series, but there'd be this seeded yeah. thing of something's going on with Jean. Yeah. She's so three seasons sure. of TV. <coughs> yeah, and by the end of that series, you get you know the, the transformation into yeah. the Dark Phoenix, and then the next series arc is the yeah. rehabilitation of and eventual sacrificial sort of statement by Jean to make sure that she can't hurt anyone ever again. Yeah. Because even she does not know the extent of what this thing could be. Yeah. Um, 
the Phoenix Force is later sort of yeah, they reckon it to be like the the. Jean Grey that this happened to was actually a copy of her created by the Phoenix Force, and the original Jean Grey was in a cocoon at the bottom of Jamaica Bay where the plane, where the space plane crashed. Um, Fair enough. And comics, that was, that was how they brought thing. Jean Grey back for X Factor, yeah. And then later on into the main continuity. Uh, but that's that's the Phoenix Saga. It's this epic tale because this is all set against um, a Scott Summers who has yeah, you know, lost his he's he's he's, he's sort of rekindle his relationship with Jean and they're becoming more and more embroiled and their sort of love story is what is what um cut is what sort of gives it the backdrop of this this space opera going into that he is the one who believes that she can still be saved, that she can always be saved, you know, that she'll always um she'll always be there for him and he'll always be there for pardon me, for her. Like there's a sweet moment where they, they <laughs> they basically go off onto a deserted plateau to fuck. Yeah, have a, have a picnic and a fuck. And um, <laughs> and a fuck. And she 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 tells him to take his glasses off, so we can see with his own eyes. And he's like, I'll fucking blast you if I take my glasses off. She's like, No, I'm powerful enough now. I can hold your blast back, so you can see me with your own eyes. Hmm. And, he, and that happens, and then you know they do knock it. Um, <laughs> But you know, as as much as you can in a nineteen eighties comic book, um, uh, and and to, to the point where she she sacrifices herself because she knows that if she doesn't, the X Men are gonna get killed by the Imperial Guard, and you know, she she sacrifices herself for Scott, and then he afterwards he leaves the X Men. Yeah, because um, like trauma, yeah. is heavy shit. Yeah. Um, so he's saying is Scott Summers plays a vital role mm. in the story because our main character of that arc, Jean Grey, goes through some horrid shit and what it does to her affects yeah. the love of her life and the people around her and Scott is the perfect avatar of the idea of what happens when somebody starts acting out of sorts. Yeah. Or if you want to look at it as a substance abuse yeah. allegory, it's yeah. like, yeah, Absolutely. it's... it's it's what that does to the person closest to you. Wants oh, to be you're there not for the person you, I used to know. You've changed, yeah, but like forever. I know you can be. I know you can be better, and I'm gonna stick mm. this through. And blah, blah. Dark Phoenix the movie features some characters that are called Scott and Jean, who we met sort of for like a collected twenty minutes of They're screen time in so Apocalypse. They're just so boring. They're just so boring. It's it's bizarre. I, I made some notes, and we'll get to them in a minute. But like one of them. Was that it's weird that this film and Apocalypse, the previous film, are relying on you, the audience, to give a shit about Cyclops, Jean Grey mm. in particular, Storm, um, somewhat, because you've seen them in other movies, so you'll just immediately be attached to them. Yeah. And have a fondness for them. And yet doesn't do any legwork to make you get, understand, or even relate to this specific incarnation of them. Yeah. Which is even more jarring because, yes, we all like Famke Jansen's Jean Grey. Yes, we like Halle Berry's Storm. Mostly. What, yeah, <laughs> mostly. Like, why, yes, we do... I had to nuke that, sorry. Um, but, you know, we do like Nightcrawler. Played by Alan Cumming, and that's you know no no shade on like is it Cody Smith McPhee and yeah, like that yeah. like they're doing a great job with the parts when they have a line of dialogue, um, but like we, we fell in love with like the Alan Cumming version, 
You know, like James Marsden. Yeah. These are the actors that we fell in love with in these yep. roles. So to just suddenly be like, you care about them, right? But do no legwork. Like Storm, for example. This Storm isn't the um, sort of uh, stoic, but a, a, a little bit little bit goofy like like version that Halle Berry presented in those first two movies in particular where yeah. it's sort of like she's she's very beautiful she's got this natural kind of ethereal uh, vibe about her simply based on her appearance she's quite you know polite and you get the sense that she's someone who completely believes in Xavier's dream and wants to make it happen um, has a lot of power but doesn't misuse it mm. and she makes stupid little jokes sometimes intentionally and like she's a very likable presence in in the tri- the first trilogy is Halle Berry. Uh, Ale- is it Alexander Alexandra or Alexandria? Can't remember her name. Alexandra Ship. Alexandra Ship, who plays her in these two movies. What do we know of this take on Storm? Who's obviously a different version because she's from different decades. Well, not much because she spent most of the last movie is one of the fucking horsemen of the apocalypse. In the last movie, she sort of joins apocalypse mostly willingly. Yeah, and then just gets added to the X Men because she's Storm. So yeah, all we know of this Aurora is that she's a villain, and now she's here. I guess. Yeah. Like, huh? Yep. It's just huh. So so she's got no wiggle room really as a performer. The script doesn't do anything with her. Don't give a shit about her. Same with Nightcrawler. Yep. Big same with Nightcrawler. The last film sets up the ideas of like, oh, some parallels to Alan Cummings ones. Like he's got the scars. And, yeah. Oh yeah. And now what? Well, he's just here, isn't he? Yeah, he is just yeah, here, he's I just guess. Here. He's just here. Cyclops, remember? <laughs> Apocalypse, that pretty horrific sort of origin story for him, him in school and everything. Yeah, it was sort of like a weird semi-remake of the the weird version of him that was in X-Men Origins Wolverine, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Uh, don't you care about him? He likes Gene. What, what are his desires? What are his motivations? What does he want out of life? Who does he want to be? Where does he want to go? The thing is... When you've got a movie like this where you kind of need your two leads to have chemistry and charisma because they're supposed to actually give a shit about their relationship. Mm. Don't cast Sophie Turner and Sarah Sheridan. Like, I like, I buy Marsden and, at least and Jansen write, at least in, in the original. The better. In the original, well, yeah. two and a bit for him. Like, I buy yeah. their relationship. I buy that they are fully grown adults who've been dating, knowing each other and have become incredibly intimate and loving over probably like 10 years. Mm. Like I'd buy it in that original couple films. Mm. You know, like apart from him going and leaning into the frat boy defensive thing, we're like, Owen oh, Logan, stay away from my girl. Like all that stuff, like I buy it, just the way they are with each other. You know why? Because they're good actors. James Marsden's great and he's got charisma up the ass. I think he's the only Cyclops actor who's managed to act past the visor. Yeah, yeah. Like it, it's, it's, because it's a tough one that the eyes are the windows yeah. to the soul. They're a great way to communicate and as a performer, they're like your greatest asset. And, you know, Marsden had to perform in the, that, those movies with a fucking thing across the middle of his face. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, not not many men could do that. Not many men could pull that off and make it work. It's basically him and LeVar Burton are like yeah. the only two people who've ever made it work. Yeah. And and make it work consistently. Um, yeah, just... Ty Sheridan, I'm sure he's great. I'm sure he can be great. I've never seen him in anything where he really... Makes me go, you're good, man. You're real good. Let's have a look. Let's have a look at Ty Sheridan's credits. <laughs> Just, like, uh, I mean, I think we joked at the time of either Apocalypse or um, 
or Dark Phoenix we saw in cinemas that he has like the Val Kilmer lips. He does. Like, that's the one lips. thing he's got. Like you put him in a in a visor like Val Kilmer in a bat cowl, and you're like, damn, your lips, man, they're really popping in this thing. I mean, he's been in that's loads, it. He's been in loads of like serious drama stuff that he's probably really good in, but. Whenever we've seen him in genre fair, he's either been dealt a shit hand or has made some really boring choices. Like, X-Men Apocalypse, not great. Ready Player One was not great. No. Um, what else? I think that was probably the first thing I saw him in. <laughs> yeah. It's just like, who cares? Dark Phoenix is not just awful. <laughs> I haven't seen him in any of the other shit he's been in, so maybe he's good in those, but he's not good in these. Yeah, no. And then Sophie Turner. We've joked on the show a lot about what I call like the Game of Thrones curse, which yeah, is yeah, yeah. actors who we we grew to know because of Game of Thrones. Like either they debuted in Game of Thrones or like that's the most prominent role they'd had so far. Usually the younger ones have gone on to prove that they don't really have much chops mm. outside of the role that they had, which is either um the casting for them in that show was so spot on that they've not really you know, been casting anything that's utilised their strengths. Yeah, yeah. Or they grew up in those roles and so that's the type of acting they've always, all, always known and so can never really develop or try something different beyond that. And it's, you know, they've just none of them have really hit their stride yet in terms of finding a new angle to approach something with. Because like, imagine riding a bike, learning how to ride a bike, yeah. moving the pedals backwards... And then after 10 years, someone goes, you meant to move them forwards. Like, that's a big habit you're going to have to try and kick. Yeah. If you've been playing Arya or Sansa Stark, for example, yeah. for 10 years, and yeah. you've not really been able to play anything else, and yeah. any roles you've been casting during that time have been similar to that. Like, yeah. I don't know, a certain sci-fi show casting one of those two actors in it to play essentially what? the same role, but immortal for some reason. But um, we'll get to her. Um, I just, it's... I hope I hope we're just being harsh critics here. I hope that that's all it is. I hope so. Because it would suck if they really didn't have anything to offer and we're just being basically paraded around in these parts that make it very evident. Yeah, because that's absolutely nothing. That does never happens in the industry. <laughs> it's never what happens. Sophie Turner um, does not bring anything to this. I'm still very sceptical of, of Harry Styles in future Marvel projects. We'll see. We'll see. I mean, I'm just skeptical of them using fucking Eros in any Marvel project. Yeah, that's going to be interesting. Um, but that's another kettle of fish, isn't it? Sophie Turner's the title character in this movie. Yeah. She's one of the least... She's not the worst in the film by a long shot. Not by a long shot. But she's shot. one of the least charismatic leads to a thing I've ever seen. Now, yes, the character is going through turmoil. They're not necessarily in likeable mode. But to feel for them, to feel for Jean Grey going through this thing she can't explain that's happening to her from within... And then she's being puppet mastered and manipulated well, by all these to... different elements, like her mentor, who she thought had her best interest at heart. Yeah. And maybe he does, but he's gone about it the wrong way. And the once enemy, who seems to be the only shoulder she can, you know, um, yeah. cry on, crying to, like uh, this time where she, at this time where she's being perceived as a villain, but she knows there's more to it than that. You've got this alien presence who's suddenly like, I know what's going on with you, and I can help you harness it. Yeah, like Vuk, she can. <laughs> Um, Vuk you thought I was a good whatever well whoever thought it was a good name thought about it too late because apparently Jessica Chastain didn't even know it was a name until she watched the film Uh, which means it's only uses in subtitles from other characters right yeah yeah there you go amazing Um, so 
like she's got a lot to play with but none of it works unless we know who Jean is before this happens to her Spider-Man 3 is many things, not all of them wonderful, but the reason we give a fuck about what's going on with Peter with this black suit parasite thing is because we know him because of two prior movies and the opening 25 minutes to like 40 minute mark or whatever when the suit actually starts making an appearance. In but the they film. make Gene start acting you let, weird you let, you let, you, almost you, immediately. Yes. And yes, then, yes, 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 a thousand times. Yes. With a, so we don't have the comparison. You're expected to have sympathy for her because at a flashback you see when she's a ba- when she's a kid and her powers emerge and her parents well, her mum gets killed. You're an X Men fan. Yeah. When do mutant when does the X gene kick in, the mutant powers kick in? Around puberty. Around puberty. So on average 12, 13, 14 is yeah. when people start to develop their powers. Like Rogue in the first X Men, I think she's fifteen. Yeah. Yeah. So like that's how it that's how it happens, yeah. right? Not at the onset of puberty necessarily, but during, during puberty. puberty. Um, Jean Grey is, I believe, eight in the opening scene of this movie. I I'm mean, sure it's mentioned somewhere. She's eight years old. She's an early bloomer. That, that's how that works. Oh. And again, like it's the whole thing of I guess fine, you know, whatever. It's comic books. It's made up. It's like it's a superpower, but it's like. I mean, how old was... I guess they wanted to compromise. They couldn't. They, they were like, we can't have her be old enough to really remember what went on. Yeah. But we can't have her too young. So we'll make her eight, but it's like... Well, you could have made her any age, because the car crash could have given her amnesia or whatever, if you really wanted to... Yeah, or, or Xavier then, just wipes her yeah, memory of exactly. that stuff. Like, well, think about how... Because oh, it, how... it plays it, like she suddenly is like, oh, I've realised something. But what happens is she randomly can hear her dad's thoughts so she knows he's alive. Yeah. But also... Whereas, like... She acts like... If it she... was something that Xavier had erased from her memory, that at least would be... Well, she acts you like... You betrayed me. You wiped something... my mind. Well, he did... Which would then in... in oh, yeah, well, he took away... He, he, he the made her of, think like, that crash, her dad died. He? Yeah. In the crash. But, like... You could really lean into the mastermind of it all. Well, it, but it, By having Xavier go, she's reason, gone through this trauma, I'm going to wipe her memory. The reason it plays like something is something that she's just discovered is because it is something that she just discovered because yeah. they didn't write it in for the character when she first started playing the character. And now she's got to change the way she plays the character because she's got this tragic backstory that you don't get in Apocalypse. Yeah. In Apocalypse, Scott gets uh, circumstances that lead him to going to the Xavier Institute. Yeah. And he just meets Jean and yeah. they get on. Jean's there. Now, Famke Jansen... Wearing a massive shouldered tops. <laughs> Famke Jansen did, you know, the dark, a version of the Dark Phoenix uh, story in X-Men 3, and X-Men The Last Stand. But, like, even in that movie, there's a good sort of, what, 15, 20 minutes of Jean Grey at the beginning? Yeah, yeah. You get a sense of who she is? Yeah. No, that's a lie. She comes back to life. Yeah, but you've got those two movies. That's... Well, I was going to say, yeah. you also have the two films. the two movies. But no, forget what I've just said. You have the two movies. Yeah. And then when she reappears, she she's, is a, she's a boogeyman. Yeah. Like, she's a random resurrection that goes horribly wrong. So, if you're watching that movie and... But also, she's not the main character of that movie. She's not That's the, the difference. The movie's like, not called Dark Phoenix. If you're watching that movie, she's the antagonist. She's the B-plot. Like, she, she's the B-plot that turns into the villain at the end. Yeah, they're making a fucking B-plot. It, it sucks. Like, yeah. the whole thing sucks. Like, there's no likeable characters in it. 
Everything feels weird. They insist that every movie has to be set in a different decade for no reason. Mm. So you've now got people in their 20s playing characters supposed to be in the late 40s and early 50s. Yeah. Um, Jennifer Lawrence doesn't give a fuck. Let's talk like, about she fucking She does Jennifer not Lawrence. care. She doesn't want to be there. She can see it in her, in her performance. She gets killed off very early on when Jean starts to... Like, that's the inciting incident is that when Jean loses her temper after finding out that she, after meeting Dad... She, like critically injures Quicksilver. She yeah, and kills Mystique. Kills Mystique and also kills a bunch of policemen, which is what turns the U.S. government against the X-Men. So the X-Men who mm. used to have uh, because one of the X-Men's gone bad, then um, yeah. the, the, the X-Men and all mutants are now pariahs again. Yeah, which they do set up because they do talk about like this is a tension between Mystique and Charles and that Charles is using it. She says that Charles is using the X-Men to feed his own ego and uh, to help. And to uh, he's, he's well enjoying just, it. He's enjoying yeah, not he's having enjoying to hide. It too and he's much. like, yeah, shouldn't we all do that? But yeah. also, if we play this game a little longer, mutants won't be seen as yeah, as like a problem. They'll be seen as people too. That and can do cool and she's things. like, oh, it's just one bad day away from us being the bad guys again. And she's right, but she's only right because the script because says one that of she's their right. own yeah murders someone. Yeah, <laughs> like it's not that an outside force like, no. does it. It's one of their own. Yeah, one of them goes bad. Oh so one my of them God, literally it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. Because no one can explain that she's gone bad. They just... It, well, it's the racism thing. It's like, oh, one of these gone bad, so you all must be bad. And it's, it's bullshit. It's but it's bad. not... But it's, it's, bad. it's cack-handed in the film. They yeah, don't, it's they don't lean in the into that to sort of... Yeah. The, the, the allegory There's here, a more nuanced like, way of dealing with it, but the film's not interested in it because the film doesn't like nuance. Known paedophile Brian Singer in his first yeah. couple of movies... Uh, did a really good job as, as as director of those films. Like genuinely, again, we're just talking about the artistic merit here. Yeah. Did a really good job in those films of utilizing his own experiences as a uh, gay man growing up in the seventies. Yeah. Um, to tell a story where the X Men are very clearly in that first movie an allegory for uh, um, like the world they're living in is a world of racial prejudice. Yeah. Um, sexual prejudice, yeah. like homophobia, yeah. xenophobia. It's it, it's the reason why Ian McKellen signed on because yeah. it was pitched from he's like my God there's a great story in here that I can relate to let's do this you know there's there's um it's handled very well in that um and this by this film the the films are forgotten that that's a thing you can do yeah like in fact it's it's sort of forgotten that the X Men and mutants are like a haunted party Is that now, they just, at the same they time they use trappings away. of it. Everything like the, that makes them interesting. The, the MCU, what are they called? The mutant control, mutant containment unit. Containment unit, like, is an implication that that stuff still exists. The, yeah, the prejudice yeah. exists, but it's like a department that has been not used yet, and it's like, okay, that's creepy. Yeah, but because the fo- story's about Gene, none of this is focused on in a meaningful way. Nope, it's just we need a bunch of soldiers. So yep. now there's a mutant containment unit. Cool. Um. Yeah, how quickly did they get that together? Because it's what, a couple of days this movie takes place over and they've got this fucking high-tech train and a whole bunch of specially yeah. equipped soldiers. So did that just... Did they have that waiting? Did that just happen overnight? Like, what the fuck's going on? Um, Jennifer Lawrence is... She doesn't care. She doesn't want to wear her makeup, so her makeup looks awful. Yes, and she, it's the she, most simplistic version of the yeah. Mystique makeup yet. Um and also, she she goes into like Jennifer Lawrence, not Mystique mode, for no particular reason. When they get back to the X Mansion, yeah. So she's been out in the world looking blue 
And then she gets back to all of her students and friends and, and, you know, chosen family, found family, and goes, oh, and turns into Jennifer Lawrence. Yeah. It's like, why would Mystique do that? Why would Raven do that? The Raven that we have actually, if you you watch these four films in their continuity in a row, First Class, Days of Future Past, Apocalypse, Mm -hmm. and this one, that is completely in, in, in... in combat with yeah. everything Raven would do. Also, and uh, it's just because Jennifer Lawrence wants to have some dramatic scenes yeah. where she's not wearing makeup. Also, Beast can turn back and forth at will now and does for no reason other than they don't have to put Nicholas Holt in the makeup. Yeah, like Days of Future Past, explanation. Apocalypse, sort of explanation. This, no explanation. No. It's just, it's just, just, just don't give a fuck. Just don't want to do don't it. Give a fuck. Just don't want to do it. Which completely cheapens first class. Yeah, because the first class is like, yeah, I've done this thing and I've become this, and Raven story ties into that being like, yeah. no, mutant and proud, like you look amazing, you know, yeah. Magneto being like, you look incredible, and, and all this stuff. The idea of this is what you are now. Yeah, and then three films go, yeah, only some of the time. And it's like for fuck's yeah. sake. Yeah. Um, was Mystique killed off because they didn't want to pay Jennifer Lawrence a certain amount? Slash, she didn't want to be in the movie. I believe they. I reckon. Well, I believe. I reckon they killed off Mystique because, they, one, Jennifer Lawrence didn't want to do it anymore. And two, they didn't want to use Jennifer Lawrence anymore. It's a mix. She didn't want to do it. I think it's a, she doesn't give a fuck about this. Let's get rid of this I mean, dead weight. I would argue that not a lot of people involved with this really gave a fuck about it outside of a means to make a bit of cash. No, but they sold that they were at least invested in the process of making a film. <laughs> Like, yeah, Evan oh. Peters is not in this. Evan Peters is in this as much as Jennifer Lawrence is. Yeah, well, they take Evan Peters off. Can they never go back to him, do they? No. They, they, so there was good. There were apparently they shot a scene where they where they pay off the whole thing from Apocalypse of um, Quicksilver knowing that Magneto's his father and telling him that, mm. but they didn't use it because it felt like it was in the wrong place in the movie. Yeah, it didn't fit, and they they shelve him. <laughs> At the start of the film, they take him off the table because they realised that his powers would break it. Yeah, he'd be able to find Gene within fucking seconds. Yeah. So they they just they just get him off the table as quickly as possible, and then ignore him for the rest of the film. They they as the Weekly Planet would say, they Professor X'd him. They Professor X'd him. Uh, well, your character's powerful enough to solve the day, solve the problem in one go. So you find you get rid of him. a weird reason for them to not be involved. And don't like you never like. There's no. There's never that thing of... Also, like, Mystique never transforms. She no. never uses her power for a mission. Because her mission power isn't useful for a space recovery mission. Yeah, she's a pilot. Exactly, but like, there's no circumstance in the movie where she uses her power, which means that what's the point in her being in the movie? Just don't write her in. Just have a throwaway reference that like Raven's recruiting, looking for more mutants. Like, oh yeah, Raven's in whatever, like, after this young yeah. gentleman who... Can do whatever and, and she's trying to bring him back. Something. Yeah, just there you go. Yeah. Like, boom. Also, Storm is Iceman in this. Like, there's two things that Storm does. <laughs> yeah. One is she makes ice, which is, as far as I'm aware, is not one of Storm's powers. <laughs> she can make it snow, I guess. So I guess she can create ice by making it snow or, you know, making it cold by making it windy. How you do that in fucking space, I have no idea. Yeah. Um, but there we go. Uh, she, she puts ice cubes in people's drinks, I guess. And then she uses lightning on things. So, yeah, all right, I get that. But it just... But only when it suits and gets her arse handed to, do, handed to her by a man with dreadlock tendrils. Yeah. Don't know who that dude is, but... She there. has a long fight with that guy mm-hmm. and doesn't win. And I'm like, I'm sorry. I'm so fucking sorry. 
That's Storm. Storm. A character once mistaken as an actual goddess because of the amount of power she possesses. Not in the movies, though. And yet here, a dude with prehensile hair... Prehensile hair. ...fights and nearly beats her for five minutes. Prehensile. She's outside as well. Yeah. She could summon whatever the fuck she wanted. She could. Wind, rain, thunder, yeah. lightning. Like, she could summon I any I mean, she can apparently do it fire. in space, so she should be able to do it in the middle of New York. Oh, just... Oh, God. And then there's Nightcrawler. Nightcrawler. Who is given next to nothing to do... Yep. Outside of the opening sequence. Get some cool action moments, like, in the train fight. Cool and everyone gets fight, cool action moments in the Including train a really weird... Like, I, they really established throughout the movie that these aliens don't matter. They are completely pointless, and they don't have personalities, and they may as well just be... Uh, putty patrol like I mean they basically are they are so that gives them an excuse to go hey let's have Nightcrawler kill some people because he doesn't have to hold back and it's like yeah but the Kurt we know either from X2 or even what we've learnt of this one isn't a violent person by nature like in X2 he's in the most terrifying opening scene in any of these movies and it's because he's being brainwashed to murder people there's two sort of versions of Nightcrawler that that fit into a more violent mode and that is the Age of Apocalypse Nightcrawler who is Mm -hmm. a bad dude yeah and then there's the sort of swashbuckly slightly piratey Errol Flynn Nightcrawler yeah but that's he's like a he's like but he's like a swashbuckly fun loving piratey kind of Indiana Jones Robin Hood levels of like ha ha So, so they've seen that and they've gone oh well we can't do swashbuckling because it's too fun. So we have to do dark. So give him a knife and let him stab a bunch of dudes and kill someone with his tail. It's just no, weird. Not. Like at one point, we literally okay. gives like a proper sort of like demon snarl at them, and you're like, yeah, that's not Nightcrawler though. It's like, not really. He'd use that if it was like to intimidate a villain or whatever. But like these guys have no emotion. No, they show no emotion or response whatsoever. So what's the point? There's no. <sighs> There's no point. Uh, Jubilee is not here. She just disappears. She's just not here with no explanation. Really yeah. weird. When you well, think it's about been it. nearly ten years, so who knows what's going on? <laughs> she got killed. <laughs> There's no Wolverine, hell. and the <laughs> the pilot of the animated series happened. The Sentinels showed up at a Super Bowl, and just like ripped her head off. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there <we> go. <laughs> There's no Wolverine to save the day. Flop. Um, uh, Charles. Charles Xavier is in the comics a very complex character. Which is to say, he's a bit of a cunt, really. He's a bit of a cunt, and sometimes knows it, and a lot of the other time, it's circumstantial. He's very, like... He knows he's having to make a dark choice to to keep tomorrow a lighter place to be. Yeah, he is very much the, oh, I did this bad thing so that a million other good things can happen. Yeah, he's very, he's very... He will make sacrifices and treat people like pawns in a game... If he thinks that it's for the greater good of his cause. Yeah. Movie Charles, um, not so much. No. Stuart or McAvoy. No. That's not their thing. Stuart particularly. Stu- uh, the Stuart Xavier is very paternal uh, or avuncular. He's 90s animated series. Yeah. Professor X. He, he's, he's, I am, you know, you guys are my flock. I'm your shepherd, but I'm not above you. And I'm here to look after you. Like that's that's what I'm, that's what my deal is. I'm yeah. gonna take care of you and help you be the best you can be. Um, but also listen to me because I do know a thing or two about life and how we should handle this. Yeah. It's like cool, no worries. And then McAvoy's Stuart, McAvoy's Stuart, McAvoy's Xavier is the same, but on the way to that journey to being that person. Yeah. So he's flawed. Like we do a whole kind of like drug storyline with the power suppressor and his yeah. future past and alcoholism. We see him go from being. 
flirty, dirty student boy to being like, I should probably actually apply myself for the for the betterment of mutant kind and man and mankind overall. It's a very groovy class. mutation. It's a very groovy mutation. Yeah. Um, like, you know, he's it, the Charles Xavier is presented in these movies is not that comic book Charles Xavier. Suddenly, in this, he is, but like a half ass, halfway there version. Yeah. But it's really weird and just, yeah. This is a very unpleasant movie. There's no joy in it. There is no joy. There's no joy in it anywhere. Like, the only moment of joy is after the space mission, there's the party in, in like, the garden outside the the estate. Yeah. And for about two minutes, the vibe is like, yeah, this is fun. And then it cuts back to Jennifer Lawrence and Nicholas Holt pissing and moaning about everything that's going on. Mm. And it's like, oh. The joy's gone now. Yeah, okay. basically. Um, Magneto does not need to be in this. Nope. Fastbender nope. brings it. Like, he oh, brings Fassbender it. Fastbender is the most committed out of any of these actors in this. Especially in the, the weird sort of helicopter tug-of-war moment. I hate that moment. But you're right. It's, it's, we talked yeah, about this. He fucking you're right. sells it. He sells it. Sophie Turner sort of moving her hands around a bit. Yeah. Um, he's like properly going for I'm it I'm not saying oh, the idea is it's to show how powerful she is but it's yeah. also just hilarious thinking that like at some point in what was it 2018 yeah. in a field somewhere cameras were rolling on Sophie Turner stood there just sort of holding her hand out and Michael yeah. Fassbender holding his hands out and being like like he's shitting himself and you know we well, also CGI gets... helicopters added in later he also gets the best line in the movie oh which is when you know Xavier's trying to talk him down from killing Gene after he finds out that Gene's killed uh, Raven and, yeah. he's gone, and he's gone basically. Which at least is the end. one payoff. Like, if it's like, why would Magneto need to be in it? We've killed off Mystique. We'll definitely cash in on that then because yeah. these films have shown us that they are very close. And they are very close. Even though he tried um, to murder her in Days of Future Past and they spent no time together in Apocalypse. But they're very close. They're very close. They were very close. Oh my God, this film expects you to just forget the previous two movies. Yeah, of course it oh, does. They all do. But yeah, so he, Charles do. is like, you know, don't um, do this old friend. Uh, like, yeah, McAvoy going for it, giving it as yeah, much as he can. Yeah, but he doesn't get to say, well, you're always sorry, Charles. And there's always a speech. But nobody cares. Yeah. Which is just fucking great. Yes. Yes. Which is absolutely like putting Xavier in his place and being a boss. And then we get fucking uh, Ty Sheridan with no balls being like, did you fucking kill you? So we've got the F-bomb again. Yeah, that, the, so we the, weird, the weird... Um, just because we can, I we guess. Have, yeah, the, the PG-13, 12A, you're allowed one use of the word fuck. So they have to do so it. So they have to. It starts in first class. First class is where it first it's begins. It's a good gag in first class. Yeah. And then, and then it's, it's misquoted in, in yeah, Days of Future Past. Like they, they quote it wrong. They quote it wrong. It could have um, been a good moment, but they get it wrong. And um, then Apocalypse. Who says it's an Apocalypse again? Oh. Magneto. Magneto yes. says it. He says something like, you know, who, who the, the fuck, fuck are, are you? you? Again, really out of place. Yeah, it just doesn't feel right coming out of Magneto's mouth. It doesn't. And then in this, Cyclops says it, and it just, it's adorable. It's like, oh, bless. Oh, it's like little boy trying to show he's got bollocks. Even though he's supposed to be in his fucking late 20s or whatever. Um, um, this Magneto, if Days of Future Past hadn't happened, where he, like, you know, attempted to murder the president on live television, yeah. I would buy the situation Magneto's in in this, where, yeah. like, there's an island off of the off the coast of the States. Basically, it's, it's them seeding yeah. the idea of Genosha. 
like a like yeah, a they've, separate they've mutant given paradise. him an island and he's got mutants living there in peace. Yeah, um, and they're just chilling and they grow crops and which you got, know like, I community can I can believe Xavier... he's made all the buildings out of like um so storage containers, containers and, stuff, and, yeah. and ships. Yeah, you, you imagine that Charles helped buy. Yeah, that, maybe. I can believe Xavier helped negotiate that. Um, if it wasn't for you know. Magneto going to murder the president on live television well, yeah. in the 70s. It's like these films forget the other ones exist in their own series, never yeah. mind. It's bizarre. Just but, don't um, even think about it. Don't even think about it. But like, yeah, they I... They definitely They definitely don't. don't. Um, uh, I, I'm going to go to my list because we should move on. Yeah, go just, to your I list. We've got, we got to talk about the new mutants, which is... Very fresh better? in the mind because we watched it. Less than twenty four hours ago. Yeah, and it's also um, I, I I I'm gonna hazard the guess and say it's better. Yes, no, I don't know if it's good, but it's better than this. <laughs> Dark Phoenix. Dark Phoenix. Phoenix. Here are the notes that I made as well. Phoenix. That's how you spell Phoenix. Phoenix. The score's pretty great, actually. Score's really good. Um, Hans Zimmer. Hans Zimmer or the interns working for Hans Zimmer. That article well, came out. Well, the Vanity Fair one. Who could say? He, among a lot of other composers, it seems, have been utilizing the work of other people for years. What? Uncredited. No. Although apparently, John Williams and Danny Elfman, good boys. Yeah, we know John Williams is a good boy. And Danny Elfman too. I'm very happy about that. Like, I don't care about Danny Elfman. I do. Oingo, boingo. Anyway. Um, boingo. But the score is probably the strongest score of any X-Men movie. Like I can't think of another X-Men movie where the, the score stood yeah. out to me. But then again, that might be more of a testament to the fact that the film was so fucking awful I was focusing on the music. Yeah, that was all I remember. was like, oh, this is cool and moody. Well, that's the old it's adage, ominous. isn't it? The old adage is a good sound. You don't know it's a good soundtrack. Although sometimes you do if it's full of bangers. Yeah, but like the idea is it's it's so intrinsic to the storytelling yeah. that you don't notice the soundtrack, you feel it. Well, I, I, yeah, I find the best movie soundtracks are ones where you can listen to them and they elicit the same emotional response as the scene in the movie in which they... Um, in which they happen. So or even if like, you don't see the film, you yeah. hear the soundtrack and you can you could say to someone... Is this a scene where like a death happens, yeah. or, or like it's a, it's a light scene? It's a reunion. stuff like you know the binary sunset moment from the original Star Wars, or you know keeping on the John Williams stuff, the Superman theme, the ET theme, oh, yeah. the, the 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 fucking uh, ET theme as he's got as he's there's a bicycle flying in front of the moon, which later became the logo for Amazon Entertainment. You know that kind of uh, anything from fucking um, moving off John Williams, anything from Mad Max Fury Road. Mm. Uh, the whole thing. Uh, Hans Zimmer's Superman theme from Man of Steel. Best, best bit of music in. Yeah, the one Man of Steel yeah. thing I own is the soundtrack. Yeah, because the soundtrack's too. great. Because it's really, really uh, good. Yeah, um, just. Uh, but this is. Uh, Elfman's Batman March. Elfman's, ba- Elf- Elfman's Batman March! Fucking Elfman's theme song to The Simpsons. El- Elfman. You know what time you're in for. Yeah. You know what the vibe is going to be for the next half yeah, hour of your exactly. life. Um, yeah. Uh, Dazzler, Marvel's original intended yeah, movie star, there we go. finally appears we get a, in we a get Marvel a, movie. We get a comics accurate uh, Dazzler cameo, but that's as close as we get to anything cool in the comics. Shouldn't she have appeared in Apocalypse? Yes. Considering she's very late 70s, early 80s in vibe more than any other decade. Yes, but this should have been set in 1984 anyway. Who's, who's Dazzler, for those who don't know? Dazzler... She's a mutant. She's a mutant. A mutant yep. whose power is to transform sound into light. Sound energy into light energy. Mm-hmm. So basically, she can take a loud noise and turn it into a laser beam. Yeah. Or 
take some cool music and turn it into a mate and be her own light show, which is exactly what she does because she's, she's a disco yeah. slash rock slash whatever she's kind of sometimes genre. Sometimes a superhero. Yeah. Usually a usually touring concert, a touring mu- concert musician, musician, a magician. She's a musician. She's a magician. She was originally uh, the disco dazzler. Yes, and she was pretty much created by committee to to be the star of a Marvel movie franchise in the seventies slash eighties. Yes, which uh, would have had her as the lead character and Captain America, Spider-Man, and a few others yeah. as guest characters in the movie. Played by... Who did he have to play her? Like, Brooke Ooh, Shields. Brooke Shields. Lined up to play her. Yeah. Um, but didn't it, didn't, it didn't quite work. Only the comics part of that multimedia experiment happened, and then she became a really popular X-Men character. She's a fan favourite character. First appears in the X-Men comics in the Dark Phoenix saga. As one of the two new mutants, the other being so maybe Peter that's Pride, why she's in it. That's that they go to, to like, yeah. I mean, it's a, a yeah, it makes sense. So sense. popular, she's like referenced in shitloads. Like, like there's like a ticket to one of her gigs is one of the things you can find in Spider-Man for PS4. Yeah. Oh no, uh, I think that's in Spider-Man. And then like Miles references like mm. the Dazzler gig or so. It's like she she transcends the copyright medium. I want to say all. there's a deleted scene apocalypse of them getting Dazzler vinyl. Probably. Yeah, the mall. Um, the yeah, because the mall stuff's definitely cut short in the yeah. film. You can feel it when you're watching it. Um, so she finally made an appearance in the movie. Shame it was this one. Uh, there's not a single reason for Mystique to be in her raven disguise within the movie based on her arc since first class. Jennifer Lawrence's lack of commitment is worn, or rather not worn, on her face. Yeah. Like, she gives zero shits. I'm surprised. She looks so bold. I am surprised that she's blue in her last scene. Like, if it had been her choice, I bet she wouldn't have been. And then they digitally would have like made her turn blue, turn into a blue self after she died. They can't make her not blue though, because it makes no sense for her to not be blue. Because it makes no sense for her to not be blue in this movie at all. She should have been blue the whole time. Oh yes, but surely they had the budget to just motion track it on her face. Like oh, surely, it would look shit. It would look shit. Yeah, but it would look better than what she's got in this, which is blue face paint would. with a few prosthetics. I don't so jarringly different from how she looks because here's the thing with her mystique if you watch these four movies the four first class continuity movies in a row her makeup changes in every film like the first one Mm. the first one is a slightly tweaked version of the Rebecca Remain mystique design from the original trilogy in uh, Days of Future Past it's softened a little bit in terms of like the amount of ridges on her body which you could imagine was a could we trim like an hour off if we just didn't put as many on? Yeah, okay, we'll do that. In Apocalypse, it's simplified even more to be more of an overall blue with some prosthetics. Yeah. And then in this, it's just, she's got pale blue face paint. Like, it's not even the same shade from the previous three films <laughs> with some dark blue scale prosthetics put on her forehead and her cheeks. Mm, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if they had to digitally do her eyes in this as well and she'd refuse to wear the contacts just to save time. Um... Just if you don't want to do it, just say I don't want to do it. It's dead simple. Yeah. <laughs> like, just, I, yeah I don't, just don't, I do don't want to be in it, guys. Sorry. It's all right. We um, don't want you to the, be in it. So. Uh, do you know why Alan Cumming wasn't in X-Men 3, folks? Because they asked him about, would you come back for another one? And he went, no. And they said, why? Did you have an issue with it? And he went, no, it was the makeup. I just couldn't do yeah. that again. I'm really sorry. And they went, that's fine. We won't write you in. And sort of like, you could tell that they were like, we don't want to get rid of him completely, but we, we want to honour his wishes. So X-Men the video game, which came out around the time of X-Men 3, there are three characters you play as over the course of it. Wolverine, Iceman, and Nightcrawler. And Nightcrawler's voiced by Alan Cumming. So they obviously went, look, we'll get your voice booking, we'll pay some money for that. Like, 
So we can still so we can still keep you in the franchise, like around the time of the third movie, even if you're not going to be in the film. Hey, Kelsey Grammer, put all this blue shit on your face. Um, hmm. Sophie Turner's inner monologue mumbling is hilariously bad. This is where she's in the alleyway after she's killed yeah, the stake. And she really says, bad. I it's quote, really I don't know what's happening to me. Why did I do that? Etc. She's just I mumbling mean, aloud to herself. It's like it's like a year nine drama student's been told. Just, just say whatever the whatever you think the character's feeling. Just just say it out loud. I mean, and considering that was a prior acting experience before Game of Thrones, that doesn't surprise me. Um, oh my god, snap! Oh, snap! Certain bits ring as cheap compared to the previous movies. Yep. The setting of the fights. Yep. The twisting guts visual effect. Yep. From the aliens. Multiple scenes of Sophie Turner sat in rooms pretending to have psychic conversations. Yep. The helicopter grapple between Gene and Eric. Yep. All of it looks like they're saving... This is the first X-Men movie where you can see them saving money on camera. Oh boy, can you. It's really weird. And the budget, I imagine, wouldn't be that different from the others. Hmm. Probably a bit less than Apocalypse, and I imagine that had been down to the fact that they were just like, look, critically, that last one did not do well. Let's pull back a little bit. Yeah. Um, uh, Genosha slash Magneto Shanty Town's a great idea, and the yep. building's made of storage containers and ships look brilliant. Yep. Uh, the bit where they go to the, the building in New York, where it's like, wait, so the, what are they called again? The... The Dubari. Dubari, Dubari have organised like getting this building free so that like Vac was it Vac Jack Vuk Vuk so Vuk can, can have a quiet conversation with Gene despite the fact that they've just commuted from like a bar in the arse end of nowhere and they could have talked all the way there if you don't like Vuk you're rather stuck oh Jesus but like Gene when they enter the room she goes this is what you wanted to show me no. indicating the room this is the room Let's put Gene, this you're a, a fucking idiot. She just brought yes. you into a room. Yes, Gene is an idiot. It's the scriptwriter's conundrum of this character has to say something here, but they have nothing to say. <laughs> when um, Storm can't be not when Storm can be knocked around by a dude with prehensile hair, you've completely misused your chance to write Storm. You have. Making Charles walk is genuinely horrific. That is horrific. Where Gene sort of is yeah. like, you said you could do anything you put your mind to, prove it. Walk, and then she like. Makes him walk up the stairs, yeah. but obviously he's not walking. He's sort of like being kind of held above the ground a bit, and is like well, he's telekinetically him bringing him to her while dragging his feet across the floor. She makes his legs move. It's horrifying. It's, it's really, really effective. Really but creepy. it but it also just makes you hate Jean. Yeah. And prior to that, she tries to crush Magneto's head with his own helmet, and then shatters. Yeah, because it. there's no sort of feeling that the the force is corrupting Jean in this. It's just Jean's just being a prick. Like does when Magneto goes to stab her in the eye with a banister rail which is his thing he's doing to kill her yeah does he stop himself because he can't bring himself to do it or does she stop it from happening she says like and you came all this way and you couldn't even do it pathetic like is that her fighting against him or is that him no it must be because he changes his mind later on doesn't he he's like I'm not don't want to kill him anymore I'd change your heart but like if you're gonna unwind a banister just stab her in the eye. Why not use it to like bind her in place or something, or stab her through the chest, or like tie up Jessica Chastain's character and throw her out of the way and be like, right, what's happening to you? What are they doing? To-? Do you know what I mean? Like show you know these exactly changes, why, don't you? Because no one thought, no one thought to do it, and the script needs them to not. Fucking stupid. The film expects you to give a shit about Jean and how she's fallen, but we barely know this Jean. It presents her as a damaged child and then turns into a villain. We never got to spend time with her and learn about who she is before the film's events kicked in. Nope. Um, 
The film has an ensemble cast, but it feels like Nightcrawler, Quicksilver, Storm, and even sometimes Cyclops are a complete afterthought. Well, yeah, literally with Quicksilver, he just gets written out immediately. The train action sequence is cool. That's it. Mm. Uh, and Jean's ending narration is odd. It's is, very is, odd. Is she just floating in space narrating? I guess. Because, like, I guess it's meant to mimic the ending of using... X2 after yeah. Jean dies in the lake and then you see this thing shining through the when water. When you use narration as a device... You have to be kind of careful about where it's coming from. Mm. Like, I know, I know I'm comparing it to MCU stuff. Get off my ass. <laughs> Iron Man 3. Yeah. Uses narration, which none of the other Marvel movies really use. Yeah. But with the reveal that he's been telling the story to Bruce Banner. Yeah. So, like, by the end so, of it, you're like, oh! Oh, yeah, that's where the narration is. Character building in universe, yeah. thematically makes sense. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, perfect, perfect summation there. Um, they don't do that in this. They just go, eh? And it, use it in the archetypal, stereotypical, we had no idea what to do, so we did this. I don't want to be, like, reductive and say that voiceover like that is lazy, but there's good ways to do it and there's bad ways to do it. It's and one of the definitely... most commonly used shortcuts. That's the problem. Yes. Like This, this was definitely veering more towards the Blade Runner use of it than the fucking um, than the aforementioned <laughs> Iron Man 3 use of it. We've used, we are using this to iron over the edit a bit and change the context Blade Runner version. I don't know what they were doing but this movie's a fucking mess. Do you know what movie wasn't as much of a mess as I thought it was? It was nowhere near thought as much of a mess as I thought it was. The New Mutants. Uh, I watched this for the first time last night with your good self and our better halves mm-hmm. and a sleeping dog mm-hmm. and pizza and ribs mm-hmm. and Reach and pips. before we went in Keek said to me that it's a, like it's, you can see that there's a good film in here somewhere yeah. yeah what makes it disappointing is that like every choice made works against it. I don't know about every choice made, but a lot of the choices they make work against it. Yeah. So The New Mutants is the final film in the Fox X-Men franchise. Oh, it originally envisioned as the start of a trilogy, which is even... Yeah, a spin-off, spin-off trilogy, which would have been three different horror movies. The first one, this one was going to be... I don't even the... think they would have been horror movies. I think they would have been three different genres. Oh, no, no. I've, uh, I read a thing with uh, J- Josh Boone. Yes. The Because the second one was supposed to be an Alien Invasion. The second one was going to be Alien Invasion. Yeah. And the third one was going to be a like full on, uh, trip to hell like. Oh yeah, yeah. Zombies and the, demons yeah. fest. Cool, 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 um, cool, cool. Uh, so, so it was going to be like different different genres of horror veering more into blockbuster versions. But this first one was going to be a psychological supernatural closed in horror film. Well, at first, makes you hear that and you think, wait, an X Men movie is a horror movie. What? Why? What's the point? Well. Mm. comics can play around with their genre and you can create some really cool things i recently finished a series um all about ravencroft the the uh the asylum yeah outside of manhattan um that features heavily featured spider-man characters like wilson fisk john jameson um your characters like misty knight that are all integral to the series but like you know uh, uh none of it is is played in the way that a normal Spider-Man or Spider-Man adjacent book would be. It's a horror story. And it works. Works fine. Because why not? Fuck it. It's a wide universe. You can have different tones. And the premise of this does lean into that quite nicely. 
We have a facility where mutant kids who've either been detained, arrested, or, or uh, sent here um, after their mutant powers have, have resulted in a fatal accident. Or They're deemed fatal to be accidents. dangers either to others or to themselves. Yeah, and, and someone's wrangled it along the way to be like, hey, hey, look, they mutant power, they're kids, they're mutants. They didn't do these things on purpose. Yeah. So let us rehabilitate them, and and they've been brought to these places. And, and our main character, who's brought in our our, our 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 protagonist, and the fucking marketing wouldn't suggest this at all. Um, it's seen very much as an ensemble move on the outside, but it's it's uh Danny Moonstar, Daniel Moonstar, played by Blue Hunt. I want to say her name is yeah, uh, comic book alias Mirage. She's Mirage, yes. right? Yeah. Uh, one night, uh, she and her father and basically like her entire family and, and community. Her entire community, yeah. The, her, the, she's a Cherokee Native American. Yeah, and she's also, and, and I was researching the movie a bit, she's like, this is like the first ever proper Native American lead in a blockbuster feature released by an American film company. Yep. I do not remember them ever making a fuss about that at any point during this movie of production. Of course not. That's a big fucking deal. And furthermore, bizarre that it's taken this long for that to just happen in general. Like, what the fuck? And also, not only that, also a queer character. Yeah. Which, again, I had no idea about that going into this. Yeah, I had no queer, idea that they were going to do There's like, a queer romance at the, at, the, at the heart of this part movie. Part of this film. Yeah. And it's just like, it's a very rushed one, which is sort of weird, but that's, but, that's script you know, issues. It mostly works. Yeah, it's cute as fuck. And it's just like, why was this... Guys, do you realise how much more business this movie would have done in whatever area... Yeah, look at what you were it? sitting on, you know what I mean? If you'd, like, not, like, you know, relied solely on this to get attention, but considering the lack of attention a movie was getting due to various circumstances and complications, wouldn't have hurt to say to people, like, by the way, <laughs> first Native American female lead in a big blockbuster movie ever... And I mean, uh, look at that poster. She's literally at the she's centre, but she's at the back of the rest of the cast. Yeah, yeah. I what yeah. What's that? Yeah. Um. Danielle is orphaned and separated from her community after uh, a creature. She believes a creature, like yeah, she gets told it's a place. tornado, but we all know the truth. Yeah, because it seems to match specifically the legend of the demon bear that she's known since she was a kid. Mm. Um, because, like, you know, snow arrives, it begins to snow before it arrives, which yeah. is a genuinely eerie idea. Like, you know, the doctor's like, hang on, it's, it's, it's snowing in the height of summer, and she's like, it always snows before it arrives. That's how it works. Yeah. And then later on in the film, they use that to great effect when suddenly it begins to snow, and you're like, oh, shit. Um, so... She's brought to this facility and she's looked over by Dr... Dr. Reyes? Reyes. Celia Reyes? Uh, well, they never give her a first name in the movie, but... There is an X-Men character, an who, X-Men has character been, who has been an X-Man. Who's been an X-Man with the same powers. Yeah. Called Dr. <laughs> Cecilia Reyes. Cecilia in the comics. Reyes, so yeah. There's the slight difference between... And there's, there's two examples of characters that have done this within this movie. The Cecilia Reyes of the comics is African-American woman. Who's player in this? The Latina uh, Anna. Oh, what's her fucking name? Uh, 
great actress. She's in all sorts of stuff. But she's, she's very, she's very, she's very good. And she's she's kind of underused in this. Really, she yeah. doesn't get to play it beyond the same. She, she is, sort of she sort of plays it on one level throughout the film, and it's because the script doesn't really give her the opportunity to play yes. it on any other level. And maybe she um, did, and that just didn't make the edit. Uh, Alice Braga. Alice Braga. Uh, I was Braga. Who, uh, Braga. This film, uh, the part was originally cast, I found this out last night, yep. uh, Rosario Dawson. Ah, uh, that would make more sense. And then, quote unquote... That's better casting. Because things got put back so much, quote unquote, scheduling conflict led to them having to recast. Yeah. Um, uh, the so, other example yeah. of that, of course, is Henry Zaga, who is playing... Bobby De Costa in this, aka Sunspot. Yes, he is. So, he is of Brazilian descent. He is of Brazilian descent. And Josh Boone, Josh Boone when challenged on this, was, I just wanted the best person for the role. I feel like him being, yeah, you know, of 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 Brazilian descent, like, is is still important because we're still keeping that part of the character's legacy. Mm. And the way he phrased it was, what's the actor's name? Uh, Henry Zaga. Henry Zaga. He said, if Henry Zaga did not exist. Or did not audition, then I'm sure the chances are I would have cast someone closer to the comic. Well, in the but comic, I saw his audition and I wanted him. That being said, I guarantee there would have been people who auditioned for it who would be as yeah. good because he's very good in it. Like he's very good yeah, in the role. Good. But, um, um, but but it's a bit like it's weird that you've got two characters. A.K. Sunspot in the comics mm-hmm. is an Afro-Brazilian man. Yes. So the fact that you've got that this that's what makes it weird. The fact that it's two characters, two characters who have been not whitewashed, not whitewashed. They've still got at least they've still got Latinx, Latinx. How do you say that? I, Latin, I, Latin. I, I've always said Latinx, Latinx. because I've they've still been, got those living in the UK. Yeah. No one's ever really corrected me or talked yeah. to me about it. So, but if anyone knows it's pronounced differently, please let us know. Please correct us. I only ever see it written in articles um, or on Twitter. That we've got two Latinx, um, you know, our actors playing those characters, but. They're missing their their Afro American slash Afro Brazilian heritage from the screen version of those characters, and it just feels weird. It's odd that like the two characters that aren't white yeah. characters because it's not are both yeah. like racially cast racially adjacent from yeah. the actual. You know, yeah, whereas all the, all the characters who are white, you found white actors to play yeah. them. So Native American actor playing Native American uh, role, yeah. yeah, you know, good stuff there, but just feels weird. Just feels a bit weird. Feels odd. Um, Daniel arrives there and Dr. Reyes is like, hey, hey, don't worry about it. Look, um, something's going on with you. Do you know what mutants are? You do? Cool. I think you're one of them. We need to get to the bottom of what your power is exactly. I think she she phrases it as, you survive whatever happened because of your power. Uh, that's, that's how she phrases it to Danielle at first. She's like, yeah. you, survive what, you survive the tornado because of your power. Yeah, and um, we need to sort of look into it and help you harness it and control it and I'm here to help the, the, her introductory scenes like there's a hint of something sinister going on because when she wakes up she's handcuffed to the bed mm. but the bed is also not bolted down and she's able to move around the room with the bed and when she does that Dr. Ray shows up and is like hi yeah it's alright you can sit down it's cool and then we have a scene of her in Dr. Ray's office and they're having like cocoa together and it's very familiar yeah. It feels very much like a Charles Xavier introduction to a character. Like it, it feels like we're watching Rogue meet Charles Xavier again, or you know, that kind of vibe. Mm. And it's quite sweet. She's basically like, Look, you're here because I think you've got this thing, and there's some other people here who have abilities 
and everyone's experience has been different. But point is, if I can prove to, at first it's alluded to like the state, yeah, that you're okay, my superiors, yeah. Well, yeah, that that that, that phrasing starts to show up a lot. Yeah. But she's like, if I can prove to the state that you're, you know, a good citizen, yeah. and you've got a cap on this, you have a control of these powers, then I can, you know, you'll be chances up. You'll be able to walk free or, like, you know, check in with us from time to time or whatever. But the other characters, the other people there are like, I don't think that's why we're here. And then the superiors mention keeps dropping. Yeah. And that's when some of them begin to speculate that what they think's happening is that they're being secretly piloted to join the X-Men. Yeah. Or Xavier's Academy. Although the mentions of it are dropped down to just a gesture to mimic Xavier and two mentions of the word X-Men because at some point during the film's production, Fox requested... Fox, not Disney, keeping in mind the acquisition happened during all this, Fox requested that they lessen the amount of references to X-Men. Yeah. They also Fox, who were desperate for a cinematic universe franchise that they were looking to cross over Fantastic Four and X-Men and stuff in the 2010s, were going, maybe don't. They also said to do that so that the film could be more of a horror movie, which is what um, Boone wanted. Yeah. And then during the production of it, and especially the edit, they went, actually, could you peel back on the horror? It's just like, wait, hang on. Well, Well, but then they asked for reshoots... Yes. Partly to make it scarier. Mm-hmm. However, they never Less happened. bloody, yeah. but still scary. And it's like, wait, hang on. What? But then those reshoots never happened. Exactly. Exactly. Because this film... The reason why some of you listening to this are like, there was another X-Men movie after Dark Phoenix? Really? Yeah. I didn't know that. Um, yeah. It's because this movie was meant to come out in 2018... And then was put back to 2019. Mm-hmm. It was shot by 2018. Like it was all, it was in the can. Mm-hmm. It was meant, and then it was going to come out in 2019. And then the Disney Fox acquisition began. The Disney acquisition of Fox, 20th Century Fox. Yep. So everything was thrown into limbo a bit. Then the reshoots were requested and they were going to happen late 2019, early 2020. And they didn't. And then in. Uh, that was it. The reshoots were originally going to happen in 2019, yep. but they were postponed. Yep. Then the release of the film was postponed because they were determined to do the reshoots. Yep. The reshoots were scheduled for late 2019 and early 2020. Yep. They didn't happen pre-pandemic, by the way, everybody. Pre-pandemic. Yep. So this was a choice. Yep. The film then eventually got its actual release two years later than intended in late 2020 as a digital-only release. Yep. Even over here in the UK, it kind of had no marketing whatsoever. Well, the, every time marketing pushed spinned up, it got put back again. Yeah. To the point where when it did come out, they marketed it with a tagline, hell has frozen over. Really? Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. I they mean, knew what was going on. You know, weird, but amazing. Yeah, yeah weird, um, but amazing. And by that point, it was, it was decided behind the scenes that this would not be the first of a trilogy. It mm. would be the last um, MC... MCU, the last Fox Marvel movie, no, this would be it. Um, although Josh Boone held out hope that the film potentially could get a sequel still, whether it be MCU or not, based on its performance. And then a year later, confirmed that, yeah, it's not happening. 
Um, who are the other? Who are the other folks there? We've got. Uh, so we've got Danny Moonstar. Danny Moonstar. Cecilia Reyes, the doctor. And then we've got the other patient. <laughs> so we've got the extremely rude. Uh, abrasive and just downright racist uh, Ileana Rasputin, aka mm-hmm. Magic, uh, who has a little hand puppet dragon called Lockheed. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, We've got um, the comic fans. Uh, con- the dragon constantly nervous, constantly bruised, uh, and you know clearly traumatized <laughs> uh, young Sam Guthrie. Um, A.K.A. Cannonball, played by Charlie Heaton. Uh, we've got the <laughs> rich kid jerk who we don't know what his power is at first because he doesn't want to talk about Even it. Even the other kids don't really yeah, know. Yeah, they don't know because he, he's never really shows it off. He doesn't want to talk about it. Um, uh, Roberto da Costa, A.K.A. Sunspot. And finally, we have the shy, uh, small, uh, retiring, but also slightly cheeky uh, Rain Sinclair aka Wolfsbane um, and that's our other cur- Game of Thrones curse contestant Maisie Williams yeah. well, I actually think he's pretty good in this like her accent's a bit dodgy uh, her Scottish accent's a little wibbly yeah her scenes mm, the accent's slippy the scenes between Rain yes and uh, Danny like the scenes between them as they're like sort of young love Blossoms. Yeah. Great. Some of the best stuff in the movie. Yeah. Bit weird that it happens over the course of two days. Yeah. Like, if there was implication that they'd all been there a bit longer, maybe I'd buy it a bit more. Yeah. Um, Considering, you know, it's like Danielle is mourning the death of her father and her extended family. Yes. Like, from two days prior that happened. Yes. So the fact that she's immediately like, I'm in a teenage romance now, yeah. is a bit like, wait, slow, slow down. Hold your fucking horses. Um... But there's a very genuine warmth to the interactions the two of them have. The mm. scene where they are just lay on the lawn, like looking up at the st- at the sky, and when the rain uh, comes down and hits the force field that's surrounding the facility, and it makes these nice patterns. Like that's really cute. That scene between them is really sweet. Yeah. yeah um. Uh. And again, very tasteful. The film doesn't do anything gross with it. Like you know what I mean? No. The film, the no. film doesn't do anything where it's like you know. He's oh, those two girls in love. Like, yeah, it's never leering. There's never any of it. The most reference to it you ever get is the kind you get between two mates, like watching their mates fall in love, where you briefly see uh, there's a little bit of that. Cannibal sort of go like, yeah. "What's going on with those two? Yeah, and then yeah. he sort of looks at the thing and he goes, "Cheers!" And they yeah, clink yeah. their glasses together, and they're not doing it in like a you know, "Oh yeah, cute." Yeah, yeah. They're doing it yeah. like a, oh, "All right, yeah, that's, that's it. Cool. Fair yeah, enough." Right. You know, you move, it moves on. Um... I mean, the ages of the characters are never determined. So yeah, I mean, some clarification would have been nice. But like, Danielle yeah. is really how old are they? They really do lean on her. She's very coded very much to be a young teen. She is coded young, yeah. and her powers have just come around. So, so uh, look, how old was she at the time of filming? So Blue Hunt was born in ninety five. So oh, Tamara filming in 2018, yeah. she would have been 23. Okay. She's the coder in this of being, of yeah. being like 14, 15. Yeah, absolutely. Um, um 
she and Rain are sort of played off as being the youngest members yeah. of the group as well. I mean, Maisie Williams always looks super fucking young, but she would have been 21. She's a couple of years younger than Blue mm-hmm. Hunt. Um, Annie Taylor-Joy, again, uh, I think... I think Magic in this is pitched about 16, 17, maybe 18. I'd, I'd say older at a stretch, but with a lot of arrested development. Yeah. Like, she's a, she's a rebellious little punk teen yeah. still. But again, she would have been... She that's because she's trying to... She's like, look at me, I'm happy yeah. and living life, and I don't care what anyone thinks, because of her past in this, alluding to her childhood yeah. having been sort of taken from her. She would have been 22 at the time of filming. Uh, Charlie Heaton, again, 18... 17 maybe the character yeah uh, the yeah, character the same, but then yeah. he would have been 20 he's actually older to the cast so far he'd have been, he'd have been 24 yeah um, and then you've got Henry Zaga who was born was one day he was born one day I can't find his date of birth on it um Let's presume mid to late 20s But now. he also looks like the oldest one of the kids. Yeah. Uh, so, like He looks like he could be 20. So what are the stories as to why they're all there? Rain's there because... Oh, he's the oldest of the cast. He would have been 26 at the time of filming. Fair dues. Um, no, 20... Yeah, 20... <laughs> no, 25. 25. So... At time of filming. Rain's there because... Uh, a priest, she comes from a very religious like community and family, and a priest nearly killed her, mm. um, because she was declared a witch. Yeah. What was the incident? Do we ever find out what the initial incident was that resulted in that? Uh, she so she went to her priest to tell him about what was happening. Yeah, which she's turns out she's becoming a wolf. Yeah. yeah. So and then he beat her nearly half to death and branded her. Yeah. Which and then she killed him. Yes. Because we get to see... She turned into a wolf and fucking murdered her. Yeah. We get yeah. to see the later... Um, her, like, fear dream version of him and he's got yeah. his face all fucked up. Um, yes. We've got... Uh, Cannonball, who... like what happened? Is there, Was there an initial incident that occurred with him? He worked down a mine. Didn't he? Like, he, with the family. Yes. The family worked down mines. So, like, did coal something mining. happen in the coal yeah, mine? Yeah, his powers went off and he caused a mine collapse. That's Killed it. his dad and a bunch of the other miners. There we go. Which is why his hallucinatory fear is, yep. like, all of the miners, like, ganging upon him and his dad yep. in particular being, like, you're a monster. What did you do? What did you do? What did you do? Um, uh, magic claims to have murdered, was it 18 men? Yeah. And she brags about it. Yeah. On reflection was probably her escaping from the situation she was in. Yeah. Uh, which we'll elaborate on when we talk more about the monsters in the movie. And then uh, Sunspot, we don't learn until like his sort of big scene, which was, I think, the best scene in the film. In terms yeah. of just visuals and how it was executed. Where we learn that his powers bloomed while he was getting intimate with his girlfriend about the age of 14, 15. Mm. And what are Sunspot's powers in a nutshell? Well, the film simplifies it. A the little film bit. simplifies the it. Fil- the film goes, "Hey, you guys seen the Human Torch? He's the Human Torch." In the comics, <laughs> Sunspot he absorbs solar energy, mm-hmm. and then he can use that to transform into a super strong version of himself. With the trade-off that, because something to do with the way that he 
uses solar power, he basically turns completely black. Yeah. And sort of absorbs light and looks fiery. Yeah. I don't think he actually generates heat, though. No. But then later on, someone fucked around with his genetics and gave him, like, fire-throwing powers and a bit of flight as well. So, like, he goes super strong and looks like he's sort of burning in the centre yeah, of, really cool of the flame. it's a really cool Like, it's a really cool visual. And, and then later on, he gets the ability to wield some of that solar energy yeah. as physical, like... Yeah. Beam slash fireballs. So, Human Torch adjacent. Yeah, it's In a bit... this, he's basically the Human Torch. Yeah, it's cool because he's like, he's got black to the point where there's no yeah. features and he's got the sort of corona around him. Yeah. It's a really, really cool look. Um, which they kind of get near to in this. Yeah, toward the end of the. He uses powers twice in the film. Yeah. And the second time is when like, it's part of the third act and he sort of flares up a lot. More and in the center, his body looks more blackened and and yeah. um, uh, like de decolored, like all color taken out of it, and the flame is what's highlighting him. Hmm. Um, but the, yeah, his nightmare scene where he thinks he's spending time with Ilyana, and then he turns around and Ilyana's on fire yeah. and looks like a charred up corpse that's burning. And it, because it turns out that's what happened when his powers first manifested. That happened to his girlfriend his because girlfriend. of his powers. <coughs> so, um, yeah, we're uh, we're dealing with some characters with some heavy baggage here. Uh, especially when we realise that, yeah, the thing that killed Danielle's family was her. Yes. By accident. Yes. But it's what happened because yes. her power is essentially taking what's taking your fears mm. or, or your anxieties and manifesting them um as sometimes hallucinations sometimes physical manifestations yeah um which makes her the most powerful person in there by default yes absolutely which is like why... magic's quite powerful like ma magic in in this it's simplified to she her power was she creates a realm yeah like, she creates, like, a limbo. Yeah. To hide in. Yeah. And, because there is, is there impetus in the comics for, like, sometimes a mutant's powers being related to their, like, their story, their life, like, like an evolutionary thing of their evolving to uh, cope? Not off the top of my head, but it would make sense. Because usually it seems just like a random grab bag. It seems like, uh, yeah. you shoot lasers from your eyes, your brother shoots them from his tits, and uh, you control the weather, and you just make ice do things. Ah, oh, well done, congratulations. You've, you've got the strength and speed of a monkey, and eventually you're going to turn blue and furry. And it's just like, okay, sure. Um... Uh, whereas in this, it's like she's created a place to hide. Yeah. And in there, she seems to also have created like an armoured gauntlet on one arm with a sword. And her little puppet dragon, Lockheed, can be made into a dragon if she wants to. Mm -hmm. And it's like, okay. And, and it's sort of the, the, the dimension that she's created to hide in is also used as like a teleportation power. Sometimes she'll just vanish into it and then appear somewhere else. Yeah. Um. So she's quite OP, but... Mirage is going to get everyone killed. Yeah. So the plot of the movie essentially is the newcomer who is new to all of this and terrified and has lost a family falls in love and can't quite control her powers as they are creating individual hallucinatory horror film scenarios for all the other people in the building. And by all the other people in the building, I mean literally the six characters we've mentioned because no other fucking people appear in that building at any point. 
Dr. Reyes, like, controls it. Dr. Reyes, Dr. Reyes. I'm doing it now before anyone else does it. Um, no one else was going to do it. Dr. Reyes, well, Dr. There Reyes. There we go. Can I play the piano there anymore? Of course you can. Well, I Jesus. couldn't before. Um, she generates force fields. That's her. She's a mutant, too. And her power is she generates, like, energy-projected force fields around things. And she's got one around the whole facility, which is apparently 20 miles away from the nearest town, except for that one shot from the top of the clock tower where you mm. guys pointed out that, yep, that's that's a whole fucking town. Yeah. Right there. Yeah. Right there. It's fucking weird. Minutes after they've told you there's no town anywhere nearby. And, and um, the reason is because it's never, it doesn't feel like... It, it can't be the rest of the facility because that necessitates other workers. Yeah. But at one point, they go to the canteen and it's just the five of them. There's yeah. no one working behind the there's counter. No one there. There's no one preparing meals. There's no other. There's no yeah, orderlies. Roberto's there's, always there's doing no the other... fucking dishes. It's... Every oh. other scene he's in, he's doing the fucking dishes. Now maybe it's an off the grid thing. Maybe the idea is it's like it's the illusion that there's more going on and there'd be more people working here. Well, it's definitely an off the grid thing because as we find out later on, it's nothing to do with fucking X Men. Yeah, Doctor Reyes's superiors are the Essex Corporation, yeah. who are looking to based on when. Danielle gets sort of like a flash of Reyes's, uh, not fears, but memories. Like she reaches in to her mind briefly, which is apparently how she takes people's fears and manifests them. Like yeah. in the film, we learn that she sort of learns about her, her new friend's fears and then the fears manifest as a hallucination or, or a physical thing. Or in the case of Magic and Dr. Reyes, she sees into their head briefly. Mm-hmm. So it's like her power is going to do things regardless of whether she wants to herself or not. Which is, you know, an interesting notion. Um, but, like, we see it's Dr. Race's head briefly and see that there is a facility that is corralling dangerous mutant cases together. Yep. And that's who her superiors are. And Danny has been deemed too dangerous. Like, she's not going to be able to be controllable or she will fight back. Yes. So, she's going to be... Knocked out. Well, I don't even. I don't even experimented on slash yeah. dissected, and then she's basically gonna be, she's gonna be euthanized. Like yeah, gonna, I, I, I don't think. It, I don't think it's even that they're gonna be that she's gonna be able to fight back. It's just they can't. The, the power is too unpredictable. Whereas if they can get that genetic code, maybe they can do yes, something with it. Maybe that's exactly because the Essex Corporation. The film doesn't expand on who that is or what it's about, but it reuses footage from Logan instead of shooting new footage. To show you yeah. what's going on at the other facility. Yeah. And a very distinct shot from Logan of a child using like psychic or, or telekinetic powers to well, I also fling think... a, a practice mannequin and then and then doctors around yeah. the room. And it's such a memorable shot that when what? it happened, I turned to you and I went, wait, when is this set? Yeah. Because Logan's an alternate future. But it's not... Also, I think that... It, it's not like part of the canon. The... Um... There's a moment where someone's uh, got one of them on the floor and he's going to get him with a taser stick. I yeah. think that's Boyd Holbrook, but with his back to you. Yeah. Oh, they, they very yeah. specifically use shots where you can't even see anyone's, anyone's face. face. Yeah. Um, and not in like a, oh, could this be? In a, we don't want to pay any likeness rights for actors in footage that's been used mm. kind of way. As in, we're saving money by using footage we already own kind of way. I don't think it's meant to elude that it's the same facility as Logan. Because again, when Logan was coming out, Richard E. Grant's in it, the rumour was he was playing Mr. Sinister. Yes. Nathaniel Essex. Yes. And then it's revealed he, he isn't. That's not who he's playing at all. 
uh, the Essex Corporation. We're not doing something as ridiculous yeah. as Mister Sinister because we strip all the interesting and cool things out of these X Men comics when we <laughs> adapt them into films. Except we do want to do that for some reason because the post credits of X Men Apocalypse alludes <sighs> to it that Wolverine's DNA from the Weapon X facility is being taken by the Essex Corporation. Well, it's believed that um, John Hamm was cast as Nathaniel Essex for this. He was. film. He, he was. I've, look, I've, looked, it, I've but, looked it up since you mentioned it. He, he was cast for that role. None of that. Whether that, how, how much was filmed or what was filmed something, or whether it something was, was shot. So whether it was with John Hamm or not, yeah, we don't know. But he was cast, and then something was shot in relation to the character. So, but yeah, we'll never fucking see that. Mad in it. But like, so the Essex Corporation raises its head first in these movies in the post credits of X Men Apocalypse. Yep. They go to the Weapon X facility and take DNA of Wolverine's him having escaped in the new continuity. They take DNA of Wolverine's. Um, it's alluded to in Deadpool 2 because the orphanage where they're experimenting on mutants, where Russell comes from, yep. is an is is an Fire Essex fist. Yeah, is an Essex um facility. Yep. So Deadpool 2 begins the idea of there's this dude quietly experimenting on mutants in various different ways mm-hmm. who's not even hands-on, but he's getting the stuff sent to him from other places. Um, and in the case of Deadpool 2, it seems like he's taken a very anti-mutant, extra-religious dude and have him run this academy mm. and is experimenting on the mutants in the name of God and everything, but is ultimately working in a place that this film then outright suggests is a means to an end. Yes. Because this film shows us that, oh, look, there's also this version of it going on with Dr. Reyes. Um, what does Dr. Reyes get out of this? <laughs> what does Dr. Reyes, the mutant, couldn't get out that. of experimenting on and potentially dissecting young mutants for a company? Not getting experimenting on and dissected herself, I guess. Maybe she does it for the kicks. Maybe she just like a bit of a punch clock villain. Maybe she just does it because that's maybe. That's but it is job, a bit but... weird to take a character who's a hero in the books, make her a villain, and not really show us any reason as to why she's a villain. Yeah, like I. They find a creepy way to use her powers. Like one point, she traps them all in bubbles, and yeah. it's sort of kind of hilarious because it feels out of place by that point in the movie. But then she just like decreases the size of them to restrain the other four, and greatly decreases Danielle's to basically asphyxiate her. Yeah, it's like that's grim as fuck, especially yeah. considering. Five minutes ago, she was being asphyxiated on a fucking like life support system. Anyway, mm-hmm. the kid goes through a lot. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, so uh, we get those hallucinations for everyone else. Um, Magic's is the most disturbing, and I think on reflection, and thanks to you guys, sort of going. Here's what we think of this based on the first time we watched it. Yeah, I think it's actually the most clever interpretation. Magic's backstory is not outright said, but we see several scenes of her. As a child, yes. in a bed, yes. pretending to be asleep, yes. as a tall, lanky man in a sort of very, you know, very expensive-looking shirt and trousers, and everything's covered in tattoos, and he's got jewelry. Yes, leers over the bed, and is wearing a plastic mask with a smiley face on it. Yes, and then the more we see of these people and the hallucinations, and then the eventual manifestations of them, the creepier they get. You take the mascot, yeah, they're, they're slender man, smiley. Yes, men. they're really well, long. They're they're about seven seven to eight feet tall. To the point where before they're the really scrawny, yeah. and the plastic smiley mask is hiding a picture, old... picture, picture Venom now 
Get rid of the eyes. Get rid of the eyes and colour his skin, like... Yeah, skin. Caucasian skin colour. Yeah. And that's what these guys look like. Um, they look really creepy. Yes. Uh, they look really, really creepy. And you, you in case, so, like, look at the way they're, they're dressed really well. Yeah. They're kind of dressed like dressed, really creepy yeah. gangster, like that pimp kind of vibe, like trafficker, yeah. maybe. It was like, oh, God, you're right. Yeah. Magic killed 18 people because when her powers manifested, she used them to murder the people who were trafficking her. Or the ones who were directly abusing her. She was a she was a child a, a, tra- a traffic child. Yeah. Um really fucking creepy. And we, and then And it's like, oh she's it. these she's picturing them as monsters. Yeah. Not because she met monsters, not because they were mutant men that she met. Like Because that's what a child memories yeah. make of them. And and she fucking clutched onto that puppet dragon for dear yeah. life for psychological support. Although and maybe it's also a real dragon. Maybe then it's in the dimension that's tied to the powers, yeah. maybe. But like, it also made me realize the mask that they're wearing. Did they wear a version of that? And that's why she Probably. pictures horrible demonic smiles possibly, underneath yeah. them. Which just makes it even weirder because it's like yeah. they've gone, oh, you can charm the kid by wearing this mask. I don't think it is charm the kid. They'll, they'll, be, less cre- they'll be less creeped out um, and you won't get seen. It's just, oh, yeah. fucking gross and creepy. Although, of course, the implication is also that they should kill all of them. Yes. So, yay. Doesn't excuse her being a racist piece of shit nope. for the majority of the movie. This movie's got some race issues. Like, which characters in this are likable? Danielle's likable. Sam. Rain's likable. Sam's likable. Um, with his uh, hilarious old man voice. Roberto's um, mostly likable. Roberto's mostly likable. Um, you just don't really spend much time with both the lads to get to know them better. You sympathise. Yeah, you spend them. more time with Sam. And yeah. the, the thing that you, you sympathise and you empathise with them. Sam's the only one of them who gets on with everyone. Eliana's desperately unlikable. Yeah. But as an as a viewer is likable because Anya Taylor Joy's having a lot of fun playing the role. Yes. Um and Reyes is obviously not likable because she's the fucking villain. I guess with a little more massaging and uh, you know, a bit of reshooting and anything, they could probably could have made it a bit more like her throwing walls up. Yeah, Which no, is I clearly get, I get what that. they're going for. Why they had to be racist walls, I don't know. Yeah, exactly. Um at well, one again, point, she wears her hair in buns that kind of look like her mask slash headpiece. Yeah, Yay! Yeah. Um, I, I no, I, I think yeah. there's a way to do it with that character mm-hmm. of her like falling back on that sort of racist jive to be to be a dick. Deliberately and maybe there was walls. footage for that. And it may well, yeah, it may well be that that's where they've got. That's what I would have done with it if you know. If I'd looked at the edit that as it existed, I would have been like, she's just coming across as. As, as yeah. a piece of shit, like we yeah. need to, we need to show the cracks a little. And more. then she comes across a piece of shit, and then she's not. Like yeah, she just yeah. suddenly is a good guy. Yeah, because Danielle brings her Lockheed. Yeah, she's like, here's your puppet, and suddenly she's like, oh, I love you now. This this is is she's like Doug yeah. from um, this is, yeah. Up. It's like, this like is after I, she's I tried, love you. After she's already tried to kill Danny for taking the puppet in the first place. Yeah. Um. Uh, so yeah. Um, it's not great. Our third act is when uh, they realise that uh, Danny's going to get killed by Dr. Reyes. So mm-hmm. um, Rain rescues her and then they all confront Dr. Reyes, uh, having easily defeated her twice with both bamboozlement and drugging her coffee. Um, yeah, her powers still work when she's unconscious. Yes. Which I guess they'd have to to make sure that the kids never leave the facility. But also Danny's work when, they're un- when she's unconscious. Danny seemed to manifest when she's mm. unconscious completely. So, yeah. it's, so it seems like... Well, Danny's powers rely on the subconscious anyway, don't they? On other people's subconscious. So 
I get that there's sort of like a there's a thematic element to that. that like she's got to be out cold for it to be at full power. That would also mean that Reyes is sort of, um, manifestation of a force field is oh relying on her projecting it like willfully at every moment. And I guess you could just be yeah. like, I'm just gonna cast one around that place. Yeah, that's what I mean. It's, 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 it's a fire yeah. and forget thing. Like it's yeah. an on off as opposed to a. I'm thinking. I'm thinking thing. Sue Storm. That's why I'm thinking yeah. it for Sue Storm kind of POV. Yeah. Um. But yeah, and then in quite possibly the most hilarious and genuinely entertaining shot of the whole movie, it begins to snow outside mm-hmm. as as Danny is uh, running out of air in the bubble and fainting. Mm-hmm. And then a giant fucking demon bear about six stories high. Yeah, it comes in deep and, blue and, seas. And the, the, Reyes. <laughs> the length of half of a football pitch. Yeah, yeah. just bursts its head through the wall and devours Reyes in front of them all. Um, which then cuts off the force fields. Yep. <laughs> it's like, oh, now it turns off. Yep. Um, and then the, third, the the end of the third act is them fighting off the demon bear. And eventually Danny sort of meeting with a version of her father in her head and her own subconscious and realising that, like... No, he's right. Like, the, the fable he always told me about there being two bears in yeah, everyone, yeah. like, you know... Good bear and a bad bear. One feeds on everything good and light, and yeah. one feeds on fear and everything bad. And they're only as strong as what you feed them. Like she sort of comes around, sees that her newfound family and the racist Russian <laughs> are in danger, and tames the bear. Yeah. So she's not necessarily got a handle on her powers, but she knows how to stop them getting out of hand. She's learned how to do that by the end of the film, basically. Yeah. Um, getting out of hand as a turn of phrase, not anything to do with the severed hand that they briefly interact with a few <laughs> moments later. That felt out of place. It was really weird. Um, it's yeah. I like the look of the demon bear. Demon bear looks cool as shit. And the fight with it at the end does visually yeah, look some fucking really cool. neat stuff in there. And there's a great thing of them all using their powers to look out for each other. Yep. And it's like they're embracing who they are. And they're not allowing anyone else to dictate what their path is. And that's the message of the film, I guess. The idea is that, you know, be be true to yourself and don't let other fuckers tell you what to do. Like, if if you feel that they mean you will, then trust your gut and look after your friends and stay strong as a family and all that shit. Um, It's true. And then it ends with them walking out of the place. I like the downbeat ending. Like, the downbeat. I like the low-key ending of them just walking out of the facilities together. Um, It's cute. And the fact that like a couple of them haven't bothered to pack anything because why bother? Well, they've got the anything, other, yeah. The others have sort of made like a little bag each of whatever they could pick up, yeah. I guess. And yeah. It's like that's kind of cute. It's a it's a nice ending, like sort of like yeah, cool. I appreciate that. I was surprised by the lack of post credits. Mm. Um, I don't know if that was restraint or just the fact they had nothing. Probably the fact they had nothing. They probably would have done a post credit scene in the, the reshoots. Yeah, there might have been a Mr. Sinister thing. At one point... Or, well, Warlock was supposed to be the big thing for the sequel, so they might have done something with Warlock. Yeah, because Warlock was going to be in this, and they decided budget-wise to save it. Yeah, this, um, like, there's no way we can afford the effects Storm and Xavier were going to appear in this. Were they? Yes, with oh. both Alexandra... Ship. Ship and uh, James McAvoy yep. uh, having either been approached or their management been approached about it. Um, Which would suggest that this would have been actually set in the 90s. It would have to be for those two to be playing the roles. Um, Which, I don't think anything in the film contradicts that. Like, the technology is fairly ambiguous. You Um, never see, like, a modern smartphone. No, uh, Berto has a a camera phone. 
Because he right, yeah, Bert, yes. Bert has a smartphone because he has a picture of his girlfriend on it, and uh, a VHS uh, player Reyes. features heavily in the movie. Reyes is watching yeah, Buffy Reyes. the Vampire Slayer. Uh, no, no, Reyes has a smartphone as well. Not Reyes, sorry. Um, I meant uh, no, Rain. Rain. Rain is watching. Rain's Buffy watching Buffy a VHS of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Well, no, it's DVD because the DVD case is next to the TV. Oh fuck! It's it. an old TV. Right. It's a CRT TV, but they're DVDs. Right. So this is set in the two thousands. Has to be set be. in the late 2000s and there's to be camera 2000s. phones. So why is McAvoy... Oh, my God. They don't give Hello. a fuck, do they? They don't give a fuck. It's so weird. They don't give a fuck. Of course they don't give a fuck. Oh, my God. Matt. Yes. We've finished this fucking marathon. Yes, we have. Out of all of these X films... Yes. X-Men... Deadpool, Wolverine, yes. New Mutants. Yes. Which, off the top of your head, let's say three. Which three are the best ones off the top of your head? Not In no particular order, which three are the ones where you like? I'd watch them again quite happily. Logan. Yep. Logan. And Logan. Okay. No, um, I'm being facetious. Logan, Deadpool. You, facetious. Yes. I know uh, your misgivings with the sequel, but I'll be surprised if it isn't in there, to be honest. Because for me, for me, it's it's Logan, it's Deadpool and Deadpool 2. Those I, are the Deadpool, only three that I would actively Deadpool's watch again. Too humor, Deadpool 2's humour grates on me in a way that the first ones didn't. Fair play. Um, so I, uh, so it'd be more, it wouldn't necessarily be out of, it's a, it's a shit product, more... Variety for me, please. I need something different. Yeah, it's not even that I need something different. If I different. have to pick I a Deadpool just... movie, I'm picking one, and I'm picking similar the to the way one. that I enjoy yeah. the first Kingsman more than the second Kingsman to the point where I actually don't enjoy the second Kingsman because it's awful. It's not the same sort of degree of like like no, Deadpool, yeah, I was nothing say, in you... Deadpool two is on the level of anything in Kingsman Golden Circle. No, but like with the exception of the shitty anal sex jokes towards the end, I think Kingsman is really good. Mm. But then it ends on a bum note. Pun intended. Um, if you could take out, um, if you could take out that moment at the end of Kingsman and replace it with the one good bit from Kingsman Two, which is Elton John leaning into shot to the tune of Rocket, to the tune of Rocket Man. Uh, yeah, that you and might just have add that on movie. the end. And yeah. it's a perfect movie. Um, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I have a problem. Nothing. Manners uh, maketh the Rocket Man. Yeah, they do. Like, there you go. They Boom. do maketh the Rocket Man. Um, um, Logan, Deadpool. This is going to be interesting. I think it's. I think the two films on the tip of your tongue right now are First Class and X Men Two. Because First Class for me is the runner up. I think it has to be X Men Two. Fair enough. Uh, out of the ones that I'd revisit again, mm-hmm. yeah, because First Class I've seen a lot anyway, and it gets worse each time I rewatch it. <laughs> Do you remember the first time we saw that in the cinema? Like, like, it was all right. Yeah, wasn't that it? was really that good. Was pretty great. Yeah, yeah. It's a bit weird that they condensed Magneto and. And Charles's mm. friendship into like two months. Same well, thing with Days of Future Past. Fun. Yeah. Remember coming out in Days of Future Past and being like, "Oh yeah, that was really yeah, fun. That was really good." Yeah. yeah. And then the more you think idiot. about them, you yeah. fucking idiot. I still think First Class is one of the better films. I mean, it's certainly not one of the worst. It's no X Men Origins Wolverine on its own. If you leave it alone from the rest of the series, yeah. The only really bad thing in First Class is January Jones's performance as Anna oh, Frost. Oh, God, yeah, she's very But good. outside of her, I think that is a pretty fucking great mm. comic book superhero action movie. It, it, it tries to reboot it, but 
Well, it tries to be a prequel, but it also is a reboot because of the way it completely fucks continuity. Yeah. Um, yeah. So. And then they make a movie to try and straighten that out. And it doesn't work. And then after that, they screw it up. Yeah. Yeah. Because you remember Sunspot was in X-Men Sunspot Days of Future Past. in Days of Future Past. Yeah. yeah. Also, played by a very light-skinned actor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, interesting, that, isn't it? Interesting, that, isn't it? Also interesting. Who's the most prominent, outside of Storm, uh, black character in the X-Men movie franchise? Not counting the spin-offs. Right, exactly. Like, oh, you've got... Um, we get Darwin, who gets Blink. killed off. He's Darwin the only, is he's the only one off. who's killed off. Yeah, his power is he can't die and then immediately he dies. Yeah. Um, you've got Will I Am's character in um, Wraith in, Wraith in X-Men Origins Wolverine. You've got... Who gets killed? Who gets well. killed? Who gets killed? He's fucking um, wiped off the table by Victor. Fucking hell. Um, um, you haven't got a ton of them, have you? Nope. You're really not. I mean, if you extend, if you extend to Deadpool, you obviously get um, Domino. Oh no, yeah, you which is a perfect thing. example of them actually yeah. going. Actually, we're going to claim that. Yeah, we're going to claim this. The character is traditionally fucking short, blind white, and we're going to be. Do you know what? No, same with Blind Out. The character yeah. is white, and they've gone. No, yeah. doesn't need to be because in both cases, characters don't need to be. Domino, they find a really clever visual workaround. Yeah, yeah. works for it because Daisy Beats is fucking fantastic in the role. Um, I. Oh. Other interesting fact about New Mutants. Mm-hmm. So there's only one of the original New Mutants lineup who's not in the first film. Mm-hmm. It was replaced by Magic because Magic wasn't part of the original lineup. She came in yes. later. Which is a fan fave. So yeah, that's why she's exactly. in the movie. Uh, is um, Karma. Yes. Who's a Vietnamese lesbian. So they're just narrowing the margins even more. Yeah. About, oh, my God. <laughs> so, that does make me wonder. does make me wonder a bit about Josh Boone. Yeah, or at the very least, uh, Ken Berg and Fox. Well, the reason I say Josh Bur- Josh Boone is because... Because this is still under the watchful eye of the main X-Men departments and whatnot at this yeah. point. Like, they, they were letting it do its own thing, but they were still going, could you remove the X-Men reference? Oh, could you make it scarier? Could you make it less scary? Yeah. Like, they were still policing it in a really weird way. So it, There's a couple of little things in his The Stand adaptation which in light of that just feel a bit weird mainly mm-hmm. the way with the fact that all the sort of sexuality that everyone in the boulder free zone seems to be straight from what I can remember mm. the only place we see queer characters is in the da- is in Randall Flagg's camp just to stress this, folks, we're not accusing anyone of being biasphobic or whatever, but we're just pointing out that yeah. work kind of and I don't know if work kind of gives the off these vibes, or and then, they should maybe, if they're or not, maybe the, I, the, I maybe I just missed something. Maybe no, I no, just, no, true, maybe like, I'm misremembering it. If if they are not these things, then they would hear this and have no issue with that and go, yeah, maybe going forward I could be a bit yeah. more like aware aware of these things. Uh, if they take great umbrage with it. Um, it says a lot more about them than it does about our interpretations of the work. Yeah, what um, else has Josh Boone done? Let's have a look. Quick look. Um, but yeah, so for, for me, if I if I had to pick ones to stick on, it would be um, Logan, Deadpool, Deadpool 2. X-Men First Class is a very close runner-up. And uh, X-Men 2 sort of would be the next... Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I, I, would put those, I would put those five together... As I think these are good times at the cinema. Yeah. 
I think X Men would go. X Men the first would go into that bracket. Oh, too. I wish it was called X Men the first. Yeah, it would go into that category too, but it just feels very of the late nineties. It can't go into that category too because it's X Men the first. No, but because it, it, it feels of its time, it feels shy. Yeah, I get you. It feels too shy. Yeah, and it's part of that era where these films were too shy to just be comic book movies. Yeah, and, and uh, there's a lot what? to love in that first one. Like we, I think that's the one what's, we quote the most what's... out of all of yeah. them, especially between you, me, and Charlie. We'll quote that yeah. one a lot. But the, the frustrating thing about X Men as a series is that in a world as it's gone on, because it predates the MCU, but it continues alongside it as it's gone on. The general audience has become more and more accepting of comic book movies that mm. take more and more elements from the comic book, particularly visually, yeah. and some of the sillier stuff, and they've been uber successful. But the yeah. X-Men films have got stuck in this sort of mediocrity mm, where I- they just seem afraid to take any of those plunges in a in a universe like a, a sort of sub-universe within the Marvel universe that is so rich in just bonkers shit and they never they never do it properly it's no it's no news to regular listeners you're the X-Men fan I'm the X-Men fan of of this podcast like you you are the X-Men guy where's Mojo I was going to say, what elements do you think they would never have gone for? Mojo, Mojo, Mojo World that never. Mojo in the Mojo verse. So a big, um, big freaky aliany blobby yeah. guy with a robot spider chair who like yeah. basically puts people through television, televised torture entertainment. And, and he's, he's, he's henchman Spiral, who is a six-armed warrior woman who dances to create. Uh, dimensional rifts and that's how she transports people into Mojo World. Yeah, Arcade. Arcade, the Riddler of this bitch. Yeah. She creates giant death trap fun he's, houses. He's an assassin and people hire him to create gigantic um, fucking, yeah, at yeah. R- ridiculous at dead, deathly fun houses and he likes to kidnap the X-Men. Um, Mr. Sinister, they never would have done it the way that the comics did. This film, no. this film's they the closest we get. Would have done it. New Mutants is the closest we get. We see the insignia yeah. and it's the diamond on his forehead, and you're like, okay, interesting. So they're yeah. actually going to do it, maybe, kind of. Yeah. They never would have done it the same way. They pussy out an apocalypse. They really pussy out an apocalypse. They, they go the wrong news. way. Oh my god, when they do try and go too far, they go the wrong way. Yeah. Apocalypse visually, Silver Samurai visually. Yeah. They just go the wrong way. Um, fucking hell. They they never would have touched the brood. They never would have touched no. the brood. Um, the phalanx. F- fucking hell. Um, Which they would have had to do yeah. if they'd have done Warlock. Because yeah. Warlock is a fucking phalanx. God, how would they have done it? I don't know. I don't even want to think about it. it makes me sad. Um, um, <laughs> like The Age ca- of Apocalypse. Yeah. I mean, just characters that... <laughs> characters that we see briefly, but they never went the full potential of them. Like Toad is Toad. a visually interesting character. Yeah. The full way. Blob is a visually interesting character. It took Ryan Reynolds's sequel where he was allowed to do whatever the yeah. fuck he wanted because the first one to get a juggernaut, juggernaut that is actually like the one from the comic books. So neither Sabretooth was quite right. No, both really good. Yeah, but not Sabretooth. The, the, I think the 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 um... Tyler Main one's a lot of fun. He, he, he's, he's, yeah. he's what that version of Sabretooth needs yeah. to be. He's big, scary henchman who's visually impressive in a fight. Yeah. Great. The Lave Shrine one's closer to Lave what I want one's fucking to be. great, but it's not. Yeah. It's not Victor. Victor yep. is so much crueler and so much nastier. Yeah. And so much more visceral than either version. Uh, um, Mystique. Yeah. Close, the, the, we the, never the fact, got Mystique. The, like Rebecca Mystique. Romaine Stamos one is is not doesn't have enough like character mm-hmm. to really get into it, and the 
um, Jennifer Lawrence one, they just don't seem to really know what to do with her. No. Um, so bizarre. many concepts, like... Oh. You never would have got, um, for example, like Polaris. We never would have got never would have a got version Polaris. of Legion. We never would have got... Le- all uh, Legion. We got the Legion TV show, which by all accounts was pretty good. Longshot. Um, they would have chickened out on Longshot. It, well, Longshot's Mojoverse, so yeah. wouldn't have been able to fucking do it, would you? Um... Uh, uh, wow. Like Pyro never got a ridiculous costume. We never really got the Hellfire Club. We never really we got, got a never version really got of it in, yeah. in first class. And um, well, we yeah. The Sentinels. Uh, we, we never got a version. We of never Sentinels got a proper version like of the Sentinels. Sentinels. No. We certainly um, never got Master Mold, a big Sentinel who poops out of the Sentinels. Like they were never going to. Well, can't get a Bastion without sent- exactly. Sentinels. Exactly. Oh, it would have been great. Even when they did X Men Two. They chickened out on the whole religious uh, tyranny aspect of it by making William Stryker a military man instead of a preacher. Yeah, which, which we get a little bit of in New Mutants with the whole Reverend uh, Reverend Craig backstory and, and Deadpool two with with and Deadpool two, character. yeah, exactly, exactly. But, but like, yeah, and again, it works functionally for that movie. Like Brian Cox does a great mm. job with it, and it fits. But it's like there's no reason for this to be William Stryker. No. There's no reason this is William Stryker. You could create a brand new character or like. Made him an amalgam. What's the what's the scientist who operated on Wolverine? Doctor something begins with C. Oh, because he's the same knows. one who operated on Deadpool. You know, you know what I mean. The guy with the the circular yeah, glasses. Yeah. Like it could have just, but you could have just made him like the yeah. head of the facility. Yeah. Given Brian Cox some round spectacles. Yeah. and been like, yeah. In our interpretation, he's like the head of the the research division and yeah. is a military veteran. Great. Yeah. There we go. Um, Cornelius, Doctor Cornelius, something like that. That sounds right. I don't um, creepy um, fucker. Yeah, creepy fucker. Forever. Usually drawn behind glass, watching a mutant be experimented on. Creepy fucker. Um, um, again, a role that they give, they chicken out on and give to Francis yeah. in Deadpool. Even like in Deadpool, yeah. they go like, oh, "We'll give it to this guy. We'll give it to eight. The Shi'ar. What's Frank? What's Francis? We never do the Shi'ar. What's Francis thinking it? Ajax. Ajax. Fucking hell. We never do the yeah. We never do the Shi'ar. Um, the film that Dark Phoenix is like. You know, there are aliens. Aliens exist. Yeah, we, we never do the Shi'ar. But when we're doing um, the Debari, but actually what we're doing is scrolls. Actually, really, yeah. they're scrolls. Um, but not as good as the fucking MCU did them in the same year. Um, like, oh God, you could have done the brood even. You could have made of the brood. You could have done the brood because then they just assimilate people. Yeah, which they do. That's what all the brood do. Yeah. Um, and then it's not a thing of like, oh, they just randomly kill people and then disguise themselves as them. No. It's no. If someone, if you, if some, if if we suddenly realize one of our own, the brood, they're dead. Yeah, and like you could have Phoenix develop the thing of being able to force people back yeah. or whatever. And so you're right. Oh God. Um, there's so many things they would never have, never have attempted, ever. I, some of the films dip a weird, toe. Some of the films weird. dip a toe in the slightly more ridiculous thing. Like First Class is a little more open with its like visuals and, yeah. and the powers. Like First Class. Has the balls to go? Let's fucking try it's Banshee. Like, Let's get, try Banshee. We Let's get the just closest do it. thing to comics accurate costumes we ever get at the end of Apocalypse, mm-hmm. and then by the start of um, Dark, uh, Phoenix. Dark Phoenix, because it's t- ten, got nearly a low ten years key later, version of the, uh, it's the Grant Morrison New X Men costumes. Yeah, and there's even a throwaway line about that where Raven's like got us in matching uniforms, yeah. and it's just like it's like no, no, I want I you not in the matching that. uniforms. I want you in the cool uh, ones we saw very briefly at the end Jesus. of the last film. Yeah, they ne- they just never go far enough. They always chicken out. They never push. Where's it. Blue Fairy Nicholas Holt? Like Where in his little pants and lab coat, Nicholas Holt dangling upside down in his lab reading a book. That's what I want to see. At least Kelsey Grammer had the had the 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 good grace to wear shorts. 
Yeah. They chafed. Shorts and a jacket. And jokes about them chafing. Yeah. Um, you know, and I mean, even, even then, just like Kelsey Grammer in a suit is a wonderful visual. Yeah. It's a fucking great visual that like Beast is like, yeah, this is what he looks like all the time. Yeah. They never go, they never go the whole hog with Beast. And Beast seems like such a, even in that third one, the casting of Kelsey Grammer is wonderful, but like the idea of Hang On. So he's just like a mutant relations diplomat for the US government. Yes. What a waste of Hank McCoy. Yeah. Super scientist. Yeah. Like, what? This is where you're going with this? Just, like, why not Maureen McTaggart? I know she's not a mutant, but like Maureen McTaggart established that there was a previous relationship yeah. already. And I uh, just, I don't know. We I never don't know. really get to play with the danger room. No. We get to see it like briefly a couple times, usually just empty. You get to see it in X3 for about two minutes. Well, fuck me, we get three different versions of the Weapon X facility. Yeah, lovely. Even Deadpool has the sense to go, we're going to do something a bit different. Mm. Um, the Marauders. We never get a proper version of the yeah. Marauders. We get we get um, yeah. Broid Holbrook with a with a robot hand, and we get Lady Deathstrike, but she doesn't actually say anything. Yeah, and even then it's not Lady Deathstrike, yeah. it's just Lady with long nails the, the, um, when they do the Wolverine and they do the Wolverine in Japan storyline they actually make it worse by making it more fantastical and building the silver samurai suit and stuff in and it could have been a, like, but a only really in the cool third character. act yeah like the first two acts have no hint that things are going to get but that it could ridiculous. have been a really cool like you yeah. can you could just straight up adapt mm. the Wolverine 4 issue arc like you, that would make a great movie and they start to do it and then fuck it completely no matter what number three says they are in the production notes the group of mutants that rally around Magneto are not the Morlocks. They're not. They never would have done the Morlocks. They're not the Morlocks. They never would have done the Morlocks. And um, uh, what's the name? Callisto. 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 Yeah. They never would have done Callisto. Like, even even Leech. They do. We they, get they, a very they, neutered version of They do Caliban twice. Yes. And it's not right either time. Neither of them. I mean, they're both fun. I do like the Logan Caliban. Uh, Logan Caliban, Caliban is fun. Apocalypse um, Caliban is fun. It is fun. It's just distracting because you're like, hang on, two movies apart, different time different period, Calibans. same character. Yeah. What? No, that doesn't. They, pre- they prefer yeah. Caliban knows you're either hello Logan. Like, I know. Wait, which one's which? Just uh, yeah. what is now that we've suffered? I mean, gone through this. What is? I just want to point out we're recording this on the twenty second of the second of the year, twenty twenty two, two 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 two, and it's approaching uh, twenty two. Uh, 22 in it real is, time it really and the is. recording is nearly at 22 22 oh god uh, 222 uh so there you go everybody there's a good is everything you ever wish for happened yet for. or was it just another day with a fun date it anyway. was another day with a fun uh, date wasn't fun for us we had to watch the fucking x-men so what yeah what's the worst offender fucking hell now this this is where it really gets tricky yeah because they isn't that weird drop some shits in this yeah there's more bad ones than there has been good ones which you know like uh, in the most simple in the most simplistic way, I'm going to name each of the films. Even, say good or bad, even, regardless well, of whether the good one is just it's fine. Well, think about it's this. on good. Even yeah? in, like long running horror franchises that have, that have overstayed their welcome. Yeah, the bad ones tend to be fun. True. There's nothing fun about the bad X Men movies. They're e- just bad. X Men, good. It's good. X Men Two. It's good. Good. X Men Three. It's bad. Bad. X Men Origins Wolverine. Bad. Bad. Uh, X-Men First Class, good. Good. Now, again, like, if we're splitting it into, it's not dreadful, and yeah. it's definitely yeah, dreadful. Yeah. X-Men First Class is good. Yeah. X-Men Days of Future Past, good. Good. Uh, X-Men Apocalypse, bad. Bad. Uh, X-Men Dark Phoenix, bad. Bad. Spin-offs, uh, aside from X-Men Origins Wolverine, The Wolverine, 
Good. Bad. Oh, I'm, see, I, I swung the other way, but fair enough. Bad. Uh, Logan. Good. Good. Deadpool. Good. Good. Deadpool 2. Bad. Good. All right. Uh, New Mutants. Bad. Good. Interesting. Um, I, don't, I don't know. Those two are borderline. Deadpool 2 is borderline. Deadpool 2 is only borderline for me. Yeah, Deadpool 2 is more personal taste for yeah. you. Um, no, I don't think it's a bad film. I just yeah. don't like it that much. Whereas, like, um, uh, yeah, uh, uh, yeah, subjectively, subjectively, it's a bad film and for then, you. Objectively, it's a good film. Yeah, and, and New Mutants, I think, is is knife edge borderline. I don't yeah. know if it is good or bad. Middle. It's so, very so middle. The definite ones there were X Men: The Last Stand, yeah. X Men: Origins Wolverine, yeah. are the ones that were like hardcore. Bad. Yeah. Uh, Apocalypse, Dark, Apocalypse Phoenix. Dark Phoenix seem to be the biggest offenders. Yeah. All right. So this guess is more. Oh, there's more okay ones than there are bad ones. Like I guess so. For real stinkers. Which is the biggest? I, I think Dark Phoenix. It has the least to say. Or Apocalypse. I think Apocalypse, Apocalypse might be the Apocalypse worst. Apocalypse is bad, but like I spent most of Apocalypse on initial viewing and rewatch for this, going, what? Wait, what? Just like yeah. screaming at the screen and that going, the hell is this? Whereas with Dark Phoenix, I just sat there, I felt nothing. X-Men Origins Wolverine. It's that fun. Is, it's, it's awful. Is it though? It's awful. Is it? It's awful, but I can laugh at it. You just call me. Yeah, I suppose actually, yeah. That's the closest one of the bad ones gets to being like fun bad. You know, it's just like like the fucking the 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 origin of the name the Wolverine, like, which, which he shouldn't even remember. No. He shouldn't no. even remember that. I don't know no. it's on the tag, but he wouldn't like. Just, why do I keep this? Also, completely <coughs> shits itself in the third act. Oh god, it shits completely itself. shits itself. I think it shits itself in the first act, but you don't notice it, and the smell starts to show up. In yeah. The well, it's got a little bit of vomit down its front in the first act. Yeah, it spends act two vomiting and pissing. Yeah, and, and then you're looking the third at the front, act. going, "Oh my god, what have you done?" And then by the third act, you're like, "Oh, we finally oh, cleaned up the oh." You've just how long's f- this been here? You're sitting in freshly shitted pants. Like it, it's it's bad. It's, just, it's, it's not really fun. bad. And the multiple um, fucking endings. Yeah. And like, oh god. And then uh, the uh, weird uh, plasticky de-aged Patrick Stewart. X Men: The Last Stand is is bad because, like many reasons, but I think it's because it's it's the third one in a yeah. row. It's rushed. Where the first two are yeah. like, they're not bad at all. They're very enjoyable. They've got some really the strength of those original ones, and I'd argue the strength of the whole series, for the most part, is casting. Yeah, these films have cast very well. Whether those decisions turned out to be good ones in the long term. Mm is case by case, like Jennifer Lawrence, uh, or whether they turned out to be complete fucking misfires from the off, and and then you just have to put up with it. Um, you know, like like uh, the, the, the younger X-Men recasting in Apocalypse, for example. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's all very odd. But the first X-Men and the second X-Men, great for the time, still got some charm to them now, especially X-Men 2, X2, X-Men United. And then the third one is the Diminished Returns shit third film in a trilogy like vibe. That's its biggest crime. It just sort of makes you go, oh, mm. this was kind of, this was working. Mm. Huh. You really fucked it, huh? Yeah. And, and, and so that's it. I think that makes it one of the least offenders out of the bad ones. Like it's not the bottom of the pile because it's more the fact that it just deflates the mood of the journey you're on. Whereas... 
X-Men Origins Wolverine is at least kind of hilarious and entertaining in its terribleness. Mm. Then you've got Apocalypse and Dark Phoenix, which are just fucking terrible. Now, I think I'd, I'd, if you had to, at gunpoint, said to me, you have to watch one of these two again, I'd pick Apocalypse, because I could, I could at least be baffled by it and feel something. See, I think I might pick Wolverine. X-Men Origins Wolverine. Hot diggity. Wow. Show me on the doll where Danny Houston touched you. It's got Dominic Moore in it. Um, Wasted. Wasted. As well. Just in it for about five minutes. Um, It does a great job around Reynolds and then fucks up by the ending. Um, At least it's got Hugh Jackman all the way through it. Who's very good in the role of Wolverine, full stop. Um, Yeah. You know, being Hugh Jackman. It's. You jacking off the whole time. Yeah. Huge jacked man. Just. Um, is that the sound that each of the claws make in succession as they exit his hand? Let's finish this fucking podcast, man. I'm sick of... I'm, I never thought I'd say this, but I'm sick of X-Men. <laughs> sick of X-Men. If anyone's listening to this right now and you're only familiar with the movies, uh, give them three X-Men books or storylines they should seek out, or three X-Men pieces of media they should seek out to cleanse their palate. Uh, Dark Phoenix Saga, uh, Second Genesis. Mm. They're quite aged now. If you want to go modern X-Men... Uh, then I would suggest X Men Evolution, the animated series. That's a pretty fun watch. If we're talking comics, so. if we're talking comics, um, for more... you're trying to you're trying to think of entry level, aren't you? I'm trying to think of entry yeah. level. Yeah, I was gonna say I was gonna say um, all new X Men was pretty good. Oh yeah, but it relies on you knowing that they've no, been but pulled, I think they've been does... pulled out of time. It, and... Yeah, but that is that is set up in the first issue. True. So I think yeah, all new X Men by Brian Michael by Brian Michael Bendis. Yeah. Um, if you don't mind jumping in with a little less knowledge, Hawks and Pox. Yeah. Dawn of X. Yeah. Okay. Uh, because I, I think um the stuff that we know, <laughs> we know I stand him, but I honestly <laughs> think the stuff that um Jonathan Hickman, Jonathan Hickman did. On Hox and Pox, the X Men stuff he set up was fucking great. House of X and um, um, Powers of Ten. Powers of Ten. In case anyone's wondering, yeah. Hox and Pox. Yeah. Um, if you don't, if if you if you are reassured and can rest easy by the notion that he will not be paid any extra money for this because he was paid for the gig when it happened, Joss Whedon's Astonishing X Men's a pretty great run. Actually, yes, it is. Yeah. But fuck Joss Whedon. Fuck Joss Whedon. But if you buy this book, you're not giving him any yeah. money. So, um, fuck Josh Whedon, but Astonishing X Men's pretty good. Gifted's show. the first volume, isn't it? And Grant Morrison's, um, Morrison's new, new X Men is very um, good. It it does lean a bit into the sort of black leather instead of costumes thing that you get from the first X Men movie, and it was but, and it was a gen, it was a conscious decision to do that. Mm, but Beast is a giant cat. Beast so. is a giant cat, man. <laughs> um, there is it. There is. There is a huge. Just the casualness of that. It's like, yeah, you're right. Is. There is a huge Sentinel. There is a completely silent issue where Emma Frost and Jean Grey go into Professor Xavier's psyche and learn that he ate his twin in the womb. Um, Grant Morrison, man. Yeah. There's... (laughs) The Shi'ar turn up for some good fun times. Um, And Zorn. But, you know, they they, they end that storyline pretty badly. Hmm. But Zorn as a character and gets one of my favourite issues of, of just a day in the life of Zorn. Um... With that great cover of him just con- just uh, contemplating a hamburger, 
Um, <laughs> yeah, Frank Quietly's out on that. He doesn't draw all of it, but the issues that Frank Quietly draws in particular are just <coughs> incredible. Quietly's artwork. Um, yeah, I love Frank Quietly. Um, other bits. God Loves Man Kills. Yeah, if you're looking for a really short, um, depressing read, that's a yeah. great one. That's that's the bit. That's the inspiration for X Two X Men United. Like, if it, depending on what your tolerance is like for all the comics, anything from Claremont's run on, well, just before Claremont's run, because he doesn't take over actually until a couple of issues after the All New X Men, the the all <laughs> Uncanny X Men, yeah. Uncanny X Men, go, go the thing happens. <laughs> Uh, then yes, uh, get second. Genesis. You join my team, okay. You yeah. join my team, okay. You yeah. join my team, okay. Get- right now, that I've got you all here. Uh, my other team have been kidnapped yeah. by an, a living island. Get, uh, get you sec- might die. I'm going to send you to go get them. Wait, what? Yeah, get, get the second Genesis epic collection, which gives you that um, giant size X Men number one, and then leading into Claremont's the start of Claremont's running a big chunk of that. Um, <laughs> I do love that that's basically their first story is, as that team. It it's just, I fucked up. And it's, it's X-Men adjacent and therefore not necessarily X-Men, but if but the Wolverine miniseries by um, Frank Miller Frank Miller and Chris Claremont. Yeah. Just, it's just so fucking good. It's pretty great. It's pretty damn great. It is. Um, we hope we've uh, explained ourselves more than enough. Yes. Um, we'll have to leave you now. We're going to expel ourselves from this vicinity Logan away bye we're wrapping up basically yeah cool if you you want to hear more of our whiffles and waffles and you're not already subscribed or following on your platform of choice then fucking do it do it you can support us at patreon.com slash a big damn cast it it. keeps the lights on uh, which is handy Um, despite what you may have started to put together or suspect folks there is a reason to continue supporting. Yes, yes. We, uh, yeah. We're being cryptic for a reason. We're being cryptic. Um, and uh, you can also follow us on Twitter at Big Damn yes, Cast. Yeah. You can follow uh, at Matthew Mini Painter 1. Uh, Matthew Mini Pay, P-A-I-1. P-A-I-1. You can't fit Matthew Mini Painter in the fucking Twitter, can you? On the Twitter. Official CDJ on Twitter. Piss and Whiffles. Get your emails in next week for bits and pieces. Whatever news we're going to be covering... Till then, 296 down. Four to go. What? You're always sorry, child. You're always